Welcome to the 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast, a retrospective. Hey folks, Brennan here. Thanks for tuning in to our 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you want to reach out or follow us, we're on Facebook and YouTube as 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch as 25 Years of VTM, and on our website at 25yearsofvtm.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade. Hey folks, before we begin, we want to tell you about Werewolf the Apocalypse Retaliation by Flyos. It's on Kickstarter right now and it's running through the end of November. The game supports one to four players playing as a werewolf pack rebuilding your cairn in the Yosemite Valley. Head on over to Kickstarter while you can to back it. Now, on with our show. Welcome back, everyone, to the Rio Grande, the one place you can see the skull floating in the sky. At any rate, um, I, of course, am Bob, accompanied by Mike. Hey, hey, hey. The ever-rolling Brennan. Hey, everyone. An unhappy DJ. DJ, could you smile more? And anyway, uh, we are here, of course, to discuss chapter two for the Bex Jihad Diary, which, of course, we know is the mighty Midwest, the the most corrupt city in the Union, murder capital of the world, or just Chicago for the less dramatic. Um, that's the that's the goal. Chicago had some interesting updates of what goes on, but uh, like we did last time, four of us were four STs. We don't always have to be the same ST, though. That's probably a grand grand idea. Um, you're not going to trick us like that, Bob. <laughs> it's not a trick, right? Uh-huh. I'm, just, I'm just saying. Uh-huh. One of us has an intimate experience with Chicago. <laughs> others, <laughs> others may have a different take on what they want their Chicago to be. And I am, I am allowing that whole... I don't control it. I didn't even write the book, you know? So, like, I'm just saying, you know... Anyone, Somebody, anybody. <laughs> Deep dish pizzas everywhere. Hey, that's fine. That's fine. You could even try and say Chicago Cubs uniform. Everybody has it going to school. I, it's your Chicago, right? That's, that's how it goes. <laughs> sure. No takers. I mean, I know no. I'm the default, right? That's uh-huh. that's the thing. But uh, you know, I heard Mike was all right. Fine. Fine. I'm, I'm like, this This is like, you can't force an ST, but you're forcing me. And I want you to know, <laughs> I expected it, honestly. That's, that's what it is. Um, all right. All right, fine. So in that case, once again, uh, I'm up to bet twice, which is fine. It's healthy. So the spice <laughs> of life is variety. And apparently some people just like cheeseburgers like me. So what <laughs> we're going to do, we're going to roll this forward and uh, we're going to take a look at Chicago. Uh, the old, the second city, as it's referred to in the book, many other places besides, um, brings Beckett here for all sorts of reasons. Read Beckett's Shot Diary for that. But what we're looking for is a fun playthrough from here that updates the material nice that you can continue a chronicle in and enjoy thoroughly. Uh, with that being the case, gentlemen, having reviewed this, where are you at and what scenario grabbed you as the funnest update? Or uh, the most. Or, or, the aspect out of this chapter that was like, you know what? That's the one. The thing that caught my attention the most that I think would be the most fun would be that new, uh, new class of psychopomps 
that ferry people between Milwaukee and Chicago braving that Goblin Road. I don't know about you. I enjoy those like movies that are like, um, you know, getting from point A to point B, but it's incredibly dangerous. Like, um, uh, what's a good example of it? Uh, the first part of Dog Soldiers is actually a good one when they're in the woods getting to that house. Do you know what I mean by that? I believe I do, but explain just in case. So the entire like um, the entire plot of the story would be something that seems fairly simple, right? You're just supposed to go from point A to point B. Uh, get them to the Greek is weirdly another example of this, although not to a horror bent. I got um, you. In the sense that Dog Soldiers was established, right? Right before it became the uh, uh, the claustrophobic part of the movie. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, that's fun. In other words, Goblin Roads is his focus. That's the new. Mm-hmm. That's the new new in the chapter that we're introduced to, but not necessarily an updated scenario either. Um, it, it, that's a new addition. I believe it's a Dawkins special. Um, mm-hmm. that, that, I, a tip of the hat and a pouring of the tea for that. But for uh, <laughs> anything else, though, anybody else have any ideas? I mean, I don't. I don't know if we could resolve it in a day, right? But. Who doesn't want to see the premise of Chicago fight for Praxis? I mean, hmm. that's a strong one. That's a really <laughs> strong one. Um, I'll tell you exactly why. Primitive of Chicago are often hand-waved by a storyteller as forever being frozen, and you only ever get to see them. It's like a giant game of freeze tag. They're only ever in action when the players see them in front of them in any given scenario. And hmm. typically, it's staff won't play them all in one room. And, and reasons... No, no less or different than this simple thing. It's very hard to find one talent capable of pulling off that character to fit the flow of the story of the Chronicle without a lot of rehearsal or talk or toe touch. So the the idea, the idea of everybody playing a scene, discussing in an average, well, we could do a lot of things. We could do a showcase of the topic. We're gathered to discuss a new prince. That's a good one, right? A lot of fun stuff in there for that. Uh, there's an aspect of showcasing the personality of each and every uh, primogen as our, our our cast feels they would be represented. Um, that's fun too, right? Um, a lot of folks don't know what primogen would do in a meeting. Or, or let me take it back. They don't have confidence that what they're doing is correct. That's more to the point, that our method may not be as solid. And there are others who feel, we of course got it correct. Don't you see my makeup? And you're like, okay, makeup's cool, but if you're not sure, right, you get what I'm saying. Um, everybody can use an example to compare and contrast to, and that's often how a lot of theater troops do better. They go to other games and see what's different and what they can have. This might be that chance to help out. But is that the most fun? That's my question. Where I would enjoy that, it's very much where my home is, is the politicking. Um, Brennan's idea holds a lot, too. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to learn in the Goblin Roads and their portrayal of what it's done. Some people think it's only for Markevians. We get on board <laughs> and crazy stuff happens as we just stare forward. You're not the driving. first person to say that. I don't know Stand why they think that. Know. Because I of a mouth. Psycho in pumps. <laughs> they don't hear psycho pop. They hear psychos in pumps. And then that's what they want to do. And then that's their method. Not my method, not your method, but that is a method. Um, mm. Is that the right one? Hmm. I believe what would be said is that Mr. Dawkins would comment that that's interesting. If it's for your troop, enjoy. <laughs> right? You'd hear something like that. On the inside, he'd be doing this. I'm not running. 
right? That's, that's what it would be. Like, if that's what you want, is a mountain punch driving you from point A to point B, and that's the Goblin Roads. What if it, it is a group, Malkavian troop playing Dungeons and Dragons, all Goblin Party, and they got to complete their scenario before they deliver the goods? Um, sure. Why not? No, not, not <laughs> sure, no. Mike. Not okay. sure. All right. No. All right. Not about that life. What it is a Goblin Road, after all. Just to check. Um, it would be funny if a mouth makes you paint yourself green and wear funny ears before you get in the taxi. But, you know, humor. Start laughing terror. like a little bit That's a different right. kind of goblin. Uh, <laughs> what, about, <laughs> what about you, DJ? I'm stuck between two, honestly. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm going to spill two. I'm going to take the limelight on this one. Do it. The first one that caught my attention and try to stop me because you can't um, <laughs> was what happened to college, right? Um, if only because the way that they paint college in in here specifically is everyone just thinks college went away, but they're not exactly sure the reason why. But the scenario as it's currently written literally says, I think the, the one I like, like the one I like, the, the, the one sentence is, in a fit of paranoia, college vanished. Mm-hmm. He doesn't attend privilege meetings. He's fading from view and in some cases memory. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's like because he's aware of what's actually happening within the city itself. But the the crazier part about it is even though he's fading from view, you could almost think it can obfuscate power of just like how powerful he is because he has been around some time. He's not to the level of Menelay or, or you know, Helen in this point. But it's crazy because then he wants to have other neonates be awake to know that this kind of crazy stuff is happening in the background. But at the same time, the way they phrase it is guided, right? So I, I don't know if it'd be interesting, but I guess the way that it was very well written to propose it would be something that is it horrible to understand yeah it does it tie into the chapter i I think so it'd be interesting to see but i um the high speed low drag version uh i'm also taking a look at eric those desperate trying to figure out and get rid of porsche if only because i think it plays out like a horror vampire movie anyway what's the Mm -hmm. big and bad what does it really do now hear me out folks even though we have an idea of what Helen of Troy is, or in this case, Portia, as it's presented, right? Because we've seen Interview 5, et cetera. We know it's kind of the MacGuffin for it. This chapter did very well to entice me to go. When Beckett meets her and she just starts chomping at his fingers made of steel, I was like, how, how crazy is it that they execute this? How much more messed up is she? How much more capricious could she be? Um, and so, I, I don't know. Those are just things that kind of tickled my fancy. I just, n- no, not really for me. Um, <laughs> not not, yeah, not um, playing through that. Let's look at the two shockers that we're overlooking. That uh, not overlooking meaning these these are my favorite. But this usually happens that right different tickles for different pickles. So let's. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably a horrible way to put that. I was just right. Yep. <laughs> we don't judge. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's there now, right? Nothing's wrong with. Uh, Classic dill pickles in a jar. So, um, <laughs> it's a really awkward start to that. Just um, keep going. <laughs> when I was right, I can't stop digging. What I'm referring to is the Inyaga angle. Mm-hmm. Inyaga is an often loved character overlooked for me, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I couldn't tell you why. I, I typically, when it's when it's played, I'll be honest. Here's here's my honest hard opinion. I think you take a a dominant culture that is really out of touch uh, with things vampire, and you make a black old woman. Uh, to be put in there or something to portray most STs. You, I'm sorry. You guys are Casper mostly uh, is what it ends up being. You do definitely don't know how to play or what you want to do with that. And what I mean by that is that you, you, your culture goes from it. 
I sincerely believe that. Like draws to like. And when you play an NPC, you got to have your skin in the game to begin to understand it. Mm-hmm. And often out of respect, I've never heard it done poorly. I've never heard it done to be humorous. It was always, and Yaga is there, and you can talk to her, and we'll do that. But typically, a chill is made that she you know, didn't really have, but you make one. Because folks don't want to mess up what that NPC, NPC represents. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. Right. I, the humor in me goes, because y'all white. Y'all white. That's what happens. <laughs> Definitely white. So it's awkward for you to play an old black woman from Africa and, and, and want to do justice to it. Right. Any different than a lot of people, because because let's face it, Brennan's look and how a lot of people feel about that stuff is it's a mix of we're worried about doing it wrong. We're worried I, about I, not giving it. My looks speak. mostly because I didn't know DJ and Mike were white with me. But, so. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> they, they are. They are. Um, oh, I never told you that. The funniest part about me is that, with you know, we, this is a different topic, but a quick point. Whenever anybody's like, oh, man, them white people. I'm like, I don't know white people. Have you been to Europe? They don't either, right? They're either Polish or Russian or German or Irish or Scottish or like, well, what's the white? Oh, they they haven't been in the sun. Have you seen that region? Like, there's all sorts. I've also seen. Never mind. It's it's one of those things that got me tickled to hear a bunch of Swedish people at a party laugh about uh, when someone did it because I said y'all white. They made fun of me about that. Just like it's not a thing, and I was like, I'll stick with that. Uh, so I believe it. It's free. Uh, but the point is, is that um, caring about culture is not funny. That respect is there. However, this is fictitious. So a scenario where Inyaga is a figure that is played uh, to the reason that they added her to the book to have it, which is she's actually a Libon. Right. Mm-hmm. And she's further trying to expand in the knowledge that, hey, you're, your European clans that migrated over here, wherever you believe you came from, there were, were more diverse than you think. And we may not even be of the same blood. We do things differently, as we know that can happen, Right. So the vampires and them from the dark continent are different distinctively. And it makes sense for that character to be here. And I've always enjoyed that update. But what's most important is she's here because there are ancients. There is a problem. There's more to it. It's like now they added depth to a character that ties in a lot of the weird that they introduce you in this chapter. And it's not just Goblin Roads, right? It's ancients mm-hmm. that are sleeping. And that ties in with the Xavier <coughs> angle. I'm going. I'm Savior, former Justicar. I'm I'm hanging in the Midwest because I'm going around with the whole cadre of Gangrel, looking for these ancients and seeing what this is, which is a plot introduced in a novel. Um, I believe with the Eye of Hazamel and all that came with that back in the day. If you know the novels, if not, they're out there. Check them out. They're not bad. They're pretty good. Um, but the point is, is that that's interesting, but nowhere near as interesting as my personal favorite, where I like the Inyaga angle to have a lot of fun with it. And uh, I don't know uh, how DG could do with playing an old black woman from Africa, but I will let him give a shot. Or, <laughs> or for fun, if Mike want to do his dreads up right, he does, he does a great accent, and we can get that going on, right? Um, uh, I would put too much honey child and uh, chicken necking in, but I, I think it would fit. But the point is, I'd make effort strong. Uh, but the uh, back to the uh, back to the point. The other one is Nikolai. Yeah. Uh, problems with the Shamir Chantry. This this is like one of the mightiest Chantries they put in print that they never 100% flushed out. And I think that's what made it strongest. They gave you strong characters, told you of a Chantry, and you had an idea of where they might be. And they were always delivered as like, you, you couldn't topple them. Nikolai, powerful Shamir Elder, body of a child. There he is. But to watch him, there was a gargoyle that was put there to watch him and was sent by the clan to do so because they didn't trust him for some reason. It's as if 
this little one reaches far farther than he should, or maybe it was fear. They don't really know, but they put that put that limitation on it, and that's interesting because here we have another scenario where they're hardcore doubling down on Tremere, which would be interesting to play in that chantry to see what's going on under Lord Nikolai, who even in this chapter, I believe it's this one, he makes somebody stop breathing talking to Beckett. Just because. Mm-hmm. But, but right. you know, I'll pause. I, I got to interrupt here because I think one of the things that I thought was really, really great about this chapter, especially as it's talking not only about Nikolai, but as well as Portia, is uh, they also speak about the beast and how the beast reacts because they also introduce a character called Maxwell, who's Kai, who had been in the city, had seen death, and then he decides he wants to stay on the Goblin Roads because it makes more sense to him to exist in such a fashion. And then Beckett's always talking about, like, okay, well, I see you're keeping your beast at bay. But there's a specific line when they're talking about Nikolai, and he's forcing that guy to choke himself, right? He's like, I can't get this guy to kill himself because the body's just going to stop him from doing so. I don't have that power yet. But I do have the power so that when he does wake up, he will remember, and he's just going to choke over and over and over again. And then Beckett has that line where he talks about Nikolai going, like, you know that same fascination that kids and probably serial killers have when they first kill, like, a frog, and I take a look at it? And he takes a look at Nikolai, and he's like, but that's a human reaction. Mm -hmm. It's not a beast reaction. It's not a vampire reaction. It's a human reaction. And it blurs the line between like what's really messed up in terms of like what is you versus another. And Nikolai's just taking a look at that thing. And that scares Beckett. I thought that was really cool. So (laughs) yeah, that just caught my attention. I thought that was like worth pointing out because I thought I was like, wow, to to have all those parallels of what's human versus not was cool. There's a lot of it. There's another new thing they have in here, which is the Bruja School as well. Um, Mm. I know a lot of people were "Hmm, Bruja School. Why? And where would that be? And then them hammering home two different distinctive types of Bruja mentality that are they're beginning to develop here. And Critias and his non, not no knowledge of like what a sire was like. <clears throat> excuse me, or or the things that deal with that. I say things because you don't want to reveal that we choose to go with it. But he has challenges, and to be members of that class, especially into the venture opposition, that's all in Chicago. It becomes a thing of oh well, that's interesting maybe. Uh, but more to the point, don't don't forget. There's that struggle with Princeton um, is a powerful one unto itself because it brings uh, old dirt into the limelight as well. We're talking the resolution or what what occurred with Balthazar. He is the sheriff. He is bouncing around with ideas of Princeton on himself, with a strong chance on his own to muscle his way into the seat of Princeton. Especially now that another Primgen are moving toward it, they need someone. The Primgen are not above uh, creating another paper tiger, but Balthazar not the type to let that happen. So how does that how does that go down? Well, they say the MacGuffin is what if Maxwell finds out, right? Just casually, Maxwell was ever killed. He was forced to leave. With there being no prince, why wouldn't he come back and take the city that was already his? You see how this goes, and that's and that's where you have those stuff. But for most, that might be foreshadowing. We pretty much can predict what happened. We have the V five book where Maxwell is now sitting in uh, the burbs. Plot and on taking Chicago back. We know Balthazar is a sheriff who was is now a former sheriff on the run from his child that woke up that's now hunting him that's an anarch and all that jazz. And we know that. Is that interesting to play through? Would it be interesting to see how that goes? Would it be different if you played the roles? That's the question. Now, to me, that scenario seems like it's played out. They used it. They opened it up in V5. They told you how it went. Mm. Just to do different than what they chose, does that seem to be what we're trying to do with this? Because we already know. They did that scenario. We can see how that scenario plays out. Now, we can comment, did you like their choice with that scenario or not? That's valid. But what we haven't seen, a strong Goblin Road portrayal. We haven't seen 
the Tremere shenanigans. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen what Nyaga's up to. And we haven't seen what the, what Xavier and the gang row could be doing with what went on with that. And, you know, they have like ancients in the Midwest. They exist. That's a thing. So to me, I would say that's, that's all of them in total. And now it's selecting the one that's the most fun to you. Um, I would say, though I'm not overruling, um, the aspect of playing a predictable plot that people already know because books after this totally reveal that may not be what we're looking for. There are other scenarios we haven't seen. I'd agree. Um, I'm still liking the Goblin Road one I threw out earlier, but I'd also like to see um, as a potential second option that Volo Bog, what's at the bottom of that, if we just decide to gangrel it up. I don't mind playing a gangrel twice in a row. <laughs> I, of course, am also not opposed to playing a gangrel twice in a row. Um. <laughs> Mike, you played a Bruja last time. Uh, you know what I mean, damn it. <laughs> he just put on a wolf head is what he's talking about. All Gangrel look the same in Mike's eyes. You don't see race. <laughs> um, I have... So the thing about the Xavier scenario to me is that for that particular character, it has always kind of been creeping and rolling, bouncing around in the back of my mind. What does that situation look like? Right? You know, it's always felt like a little bit of a loose end. Um... I'm, I'm, my curiosity's tickled over there as well. Okay. What about you, DJ? I am cool with that too. For whatever reason, I remember reading it, but I think every time I read Xavier's name, much like in the same way it's written in this chapter where they kind of just gloss him over for a moment and then like Beckett makes fun of him. I was like, oh, it's Xavier, whatever. But as you start mentioning, I was like, how did I just miss the half portion of that paragraph? Um, yeah, that sounds like a better option here because I, I like to see what lurks beneath. I, I have to tell you, um, Xavier Zero is not my favorite. I, I detest the characters in PC. Um, that's me being forward and honest. I think even with the update, it's just forwarding something that occurred that um, discuss the Eye of Hazamel, which I don't think ruins anything. He sees mm-hmm. what an ancient's eye can do as an artifact. And the person's able to like warp reality all around them, bending people and like all sorts of nonsense and destroying them at a whim and all the trouble it caused. And I was in the hands of, I believe it's Hoarder and Neonate cursed with the eye. Yeah. The novel with it. And it was fine. It's great for a novel. That's the story it was written. No big deal. We saw that translate over to Canon. There's a lot of red flags that went off for, for me and for, for a lot of fans that read that. And then that's why they took it as not Canon. So sort of, I took a step back when I saw it here. Uh, because what's he's a Justicar going around with Archons that's like basically you're going to turn to your inner council and tell them ancients are real and they're super powerful and they exist. And anybody who knows the origin of the of the inner council is sitting there going, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you worked for them. You literally yeah, yeah. worked for some of them. Like they could tell you what their sires were like. Like what? How is this a revelation to you? And it's like Xavier going, I'm not that. I'm not the most powerful. I, I met like, yeah. And, you know, it's, so Xavier, your job as a Justicar is um, you saw something like that. Who? No mortal saw it. That's what we have you here for. You're a Justicar. No mortal saw it? Well, I can't really say that. But my Archons did their best, but they returned in the silly putty. Okay, so they, all right, that sucks. So what are we dealing with? What's your job? Where is it at? And he won't calm down. Right? He's like, oh, you betrayed us. The ancients are real. You said they didn't exist. Ah, buddy. 
We didn't say they didn't exist. What we said was, it's not our concern. We're over here now. Well, now we got to deal with it. One of them woke up. I'm sorry. When an ancient rolls over, we're the ones who have to flip the bill. It's just what happens. Did you kill the ancient? It's just his eye. <laughs> All right. There, there, big guy. Over here. Well, I'm leaving. I'm taking my gangrel with me. And then I'm thinking to the other gangrel, well, if you're a fan of A Road of the Beast, what Why? a pansy. <laughs> right exactly why like you're in road of the beast like xavier what the hell are you doing this is exactly why the road of the beast exists baby like we're out here living our, li- our best life and you're over what are you doing like you know you but you understand the power it, it you're literally crying you're not the most powerful that's it and that's and that's yeah. what it leads to but this says here's a chance for me to find the love in the character overlook my personal first past prejudices and actually build a plot with a xavier that i could digest that would be in play to deal with a different problem entirely. Now, where the Eye of Hazemel may be in, may not be in, and that's not brought up, but the ancients are real. Here's the story. He's now investigating something entirely different. and uh, Or not, depending on how it goes. But I am tickled to have a chance to play him going, oh, my God, oh, my God. You know, he's not supposed to be all this, and instead be just kind of funny to me uh, to see that happen. Um, here's the fun facts, though. Um, the Chimere, the Chimere idea is fantastic, too. And I'm just going to state it, even though that's not what we all want to uh, agree with the majority. Um, the aspect that Nikolai sends out neonates to explore the Goblin Road, I feel that hits across two scenarios that fit very well. Mm-hmm. Right? Over and done in one. Um, the confidence of playing Chimere is that that's more investigative, more creative. That's more um, exploring the beauty of what that could be and, and seeing at least a portrayal of it, which is which fits strongly. However, um, that's only because my personal misgivings of one NPC shouldn't get in the way of the fun of what the other one could be. So sounds like we're getting our wolfy claws on. And uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what we're going to be doing. Um, that's, that, that's fine with me. Um, anyone who's heard me talk at all, I always have a smirk with Clan Gangrel because I kind of feel that Clan Gangrel is, is a lot of Gangrel. Um, <laughs> yeah. No matter where you look. No matter where you look, there's more Gangrel. And that could be because there's a WWE character named Gangrel that didn't help my humor toward them. Um, <laughs> you know you know what's better than a wolf claw? More wolf claws? Oh, okay. <laughs> Just saying. You can add humor to it. Didn't help I've been to a LARP where I've seen them actually use that very theme to have a Gangrel championship belt. Like proudly carried around. <laughs> you know? World Heavyweight Champions, things like that. <laughs> if you remember El Diablo Verde, I mean, people's fun is different, but at a point when you clown in your hobby, you turn it into a clown game, and that's what I've never had fun with. But that stuff, I like the challenge of overruling it and seeing if I could fall in love with it all over again. Hopefully I do it justice. We'll see. Um, if not, on camera, you'll have me going, <laughs> he loves game roll more. Worst case scenario, you could just kill Xavier in this game. Uh, it's not. It's not my style. I'm gonna have to get real serious. Uh huh. Wear my uh-huh. hair in front of my face. <laughs> Maybe give contacts and <sighs> you smell the ancient's blood. You see the sky filling with danger. <laughs> we must protect the masquerade. I call forth the wild rebel. <laughs> Why are you protecting the masquerade? You're not a justicar anymore. You quit. I see, Brennan. <laughs> this is your last chance to save me. But the Methuselahs are out there. Okay, I tried. They've always been there. (laughs) I tried. Changed nothing. (laughs) I tried. That's all I can say is I tried. Now we're just going to stick with it. So that's Uh Uh, the Xavier investigation. Ancients, spooky things. Midwest Chicago, Second City. Check it out. Hopefully, 
It's a lot of fun. I know it'll be fun, folks. I'm just clowning a lot. It's easy when it comes to Xavier. Maybe <laughs> a school of gangrel X-Men can come and save the day. Jesus. I really <laughs> hope that Wolverine will be there. Anyway. Um, <laughs> If you can't have fun with the material you love, it just ain't fun, right? That's it. <laughs> All right. So, any party comments, words? Nah. Nah. All right. Um, gotta <laughs> tell you, I'm excited. There's cast involved that definitely have time, enough timetable, and that have interest. And uh, I should see new faces up here tackling roles. Uh, but I'm gonna ask our audience, they're gonna be super nervous, just as if you were up here. Uh, it's gonna be their first time uh, on recording where I am a ham. Right. I'm as porky as it gets. Um, I could care less about I'm, I'm cool in the camera. So um, they may not be. So give them a chance to warm up, give it a trust. And I, I'm certain they'll do fine, though. And then uh, we'll all have fun and a good time. So uh, Brennan, Mike, DJ, if you got nothing else, man, this is a wrap. And we'll see you on the, on the, on the playthrough. Yeah, yeah. See you. Peace. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to our Beckett Shahad Diary playthrough. And uh, very exciting. We have uh, two new cast members who are here today. And um, to that end, we're just going to kick this off. That uh, We're going to go through a whole name introduction again. This time I remembered. And when we do so, basically just give a quick rendition of uh, just your name and then who you're playing. And a little tidbit about your character, if you would be so kind. Um, but let me tell the scenario real quick so this kind of fits real fast. Uh, the scenario we have going on is that this is the second chapter in Becca Shahad Diary. We're going over uh, the second city or, you know, Windy City or Chicago or Murder Capital of the World. However you knowing, loving, call it, that's that's what we're doing. Um, with that, there were some interesting choices that go along with it. Ironically, we chose to go with Xavier. Um, and that's who we're going to start with with the introductions. And we'll explain that a little more as we get to it. But uh, who's who's playing Xavier again? Yeah. Hi, my name is Mike, and I'm playing Xavier. <laughs> um, I am. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh no, I'm just going to say for those who don't know, you you got it in one. Don't let me interrupt you. <laughs> I'm playing Xavier. I am a uh, centuries year old member of the Gangrel Clan, uh, formerly formerly an employee of the Camarilla, who has recently discovered he was lied to, and is trying to marshal his clanmates to uh, uh, address an ancient evil. That we may have discovered somewhere nearby, nearby home. Dun dun. All right. And in accompanying Xavier, we have who has been kind of driving him around the world, so to speak, in his just occurred duties into now. And uh, DJ, if you would. Hey, folks. Uh, DJ, I'm uh, playing Mark de Brabant. I am a centuries old vampire as well, Gangrel, who at this moment in time have become disillusioned with the old world and have taken up spot in the new world. Interestingly enough, uh, Mark has taken up what I would consider some of the Midnight Courier stuff because he does have quite an extensive amount of transportation. Um, and he is accompanying Xavier because he's very much interested to see whether or not this former Justice Car, former member of the Camarilla, um, is worth his salt. Mark himself being part of the Camarilla and still a card-carrying member. All right, and then last but not least, we'll introduce him as a group and let him break it down individually. We have the Notorious Wolf Pack. To save a lot of effort, I'm going to give them a disclaimer before anything is said. The Wolf Pack, notoriously, by history, um, Loden used them effectively to defend the Chicagoland area, and I use that term loosely. Like any good Camarilla Prince, the Wolf Pack raised hell. 
They were always assaulting and harassing anarchs and everyone else, but for whatever reason, left the city alone. More or less, they didn't care to go into the city. And this suited it just fine, as if to not let them dwindle away or have to blood hunt them, because that would cost him resources or weaken the hell out of what he had. He turned around and said, let's pull favors, let's get them something important. In this time, the Wolfpack has earned a notorious ranking. Uh, they liked their job as bully boys and have decided to keep it. And funny enough, Adjustacar agreed. And they were made archons. However, these archons were assigned to Illinois and extraneous duties as needed, but extraneous never came up. They've just been, if you can imagine undead hellbikers, this is kind of what these, these gangrel are. But um, without further ado, we're going to start with uh, Muckus, if you wouldn't mind telling us about your character. Oh, I'm Muckus. I'm playing Ramrod, a uh, guy embraced off of the um, bike tracks and um, the circuit of people who like going really, really fast after he got uh, hurt and couldn't ride anymore. And so his uh, sire, Tyros, Tyrus, didn't think that he didn't want him to lose that freedom of the bike. So he's been riding with Tyrus ever since. Very good. And then, of course, without uh, last but not least, and it's not last, I keep, Brennan, I, oh, you're almost invisible to me at times because it's like <laughs> we're mainstays. We don't exist. We're talking heads. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I apologize. So we're not at the last but least. In fact, that would be skipping Glenn. I apologize, Glenn, please. Yes, yeah, so I'm saying Antonius. Antius. Sounds good. Yep. Uh, but I prefer to be called Dredd. Uh, and I'm a Greek-American biker, uh, born in the forest, like any classic young girl. Uh, and I'm here to drive my highway to hell. <laughs> well said. And Brennan, so I don't uh, mess that up for the third time. Uh, hey, uh, I'm playing Tyrus. He is the uh, leader of this wolf pack. Uh, sire to uh, Ramrod over here. And um, really, the talker of the group, whenever we need to talk, no one here likes to talk, right? Someone's <laughs> got to do it. Uh, but that also means I'm the one that gets to chew on the bones first. So uh, I'm pretty happy with that. Here to do a, a favor for some friends. So I'm here with my group and Xavier and, uh, oh, yeah, Mark over there. Now, let's give a little backdrop of what's going on to set the scene. Um Volog Bog is in Ingleside, Illinois, and it's like a little sleepy hole-in-the-wall place. There's some cute features in the town, if you can imagine it. First off, the Metro train station goes from Chicago and Milwaukee, right? Any 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 of those cities, you can meet up on one train ride, get out to where this town is. What's cool about this town, they have a place called Dogs and Suds. If you've never heard about it. It's like a little bellhop. Not bellhop's the wrong word. Car hop is the term. Um, place where you can kind of drive up, get classic Chicago hot dogs and what have you, and you bring them out to your car. And they do car nights. This is how the Wolfpack knows the area. This is one of your stomping grounds. You drive through this place, and the draw was, in particular for Ramrod, it's kind of the era feel that you have of this dogs and sons. Now, you don't go there to eat, but you might go there to just chill out for a minute and wait for the next order to go do whatever. And it's not that far to get to either city if you chose to push and do whatever. Now, in this particular draw, though, I should say you kind of got a... You used to be five in the mm-hmm. Wolfpack. It's dwindled down. That was the last Chicago blood war. And that is what's bitter in the eyes of the Wolfpack in, in the aftermath. Now, reason being is because there were no clan gangrel that came to your rescue. It was only ever the Wolfpack, same as it ever was. 
and you heard this call, some grand story about how Gangor are leaving the Camarilla, you know, I'll have a representation there, but it's your choice if you leave. You didn't understand it when they brought it up to you because, like I said, you barely understand Archon, that title, but you understand this much. It affords you the territory you have, and as far as you see it, if it's not the city of Chicago, the rest is yours. If the road goes there, that's your turf. And so here you have Xavier, who's quote-unquote put the call out. Now, the only reason you had to sit down with Xavier in the first place is because there's a there's a woman all everyone here respects, with the exception of Mark. Um, her name's Inyaga. And Inyaga has been in Chicago as a staple for a long time, and everyone assumed she was Gangrel. And Xavier knows something else about it. The Wolf Peggy didn't really care. She seems a Gangrel. There's just one creepy aspect about it, and all three of you understood that. There was some overtly predatory thing about her. It's she looks like a, a kind African old woman, and that would be your mistake. She's somebody who likes perching on things. Like her leaping from the ground to a branch wasn't unheard of when she wasn't thinking about how she was moving. And when she gets among people, she never walks in a crowd of mortals. She's always hiding off to the side or at an impossible height in a building or something like that. In fact, the meeting you guys had was in a parking garage. She appeared there. Everyone else drove up there, including Xavier, getting out to have a chat, just just so you all could see that, yes, all of you know Inyaga, and that's why you're there. But when I mean by appeared, it wasn't she was invisible. It's that whatever form she took to land in that rooftop, you sensed the dread of her before she was there. And when you turned to see her perched and she was smiling, nothing to be that you couldn't approach her. But you knew it was speech time. And even Xavier, you know, there's an unknown respect there, clearly, but that that talk was had. And it was very simple. She had asked both of you on both sides of the fence here, both being Wolfpack and Xavier, that there is a place called Volog Bog. And it's in Ingleside, Illinois. Told you the train and how to get there and that it needs to be investigated. She'll underline the fact she's been here the whole time because something is wrong with that area. She came to Chicago from, from very far off places, she'll put it, to see to the bottom of it and never could because when she got here, the one thing she couldn't abide by was the fact that the gangrel were somehow, well, how do I put this? In terms we can understand as players, we'll just keep it simple because for the audience as well, to not be too political, uh, they saw the gangrel as being something that was to be used, not something to understand as the predators they were. That they didn't get their territory, they didn't have a right to it. We could order them to do stuff and we never asked them to do stuff. And so she, as an elder, approached the so-called Permagen Council, and they just de facto made her a Permagen. They threw her up in a council, as in, here's your power, go handle your clan however you want to do. And she never did. You don't handle your clan as a Gangrel Permagen. You more or less understand them, and you're an interpreter for everyone else. And that's the role she's had, except because she accepted that duty, and even though the Gangrel left, she still sees Chicago as somehow innocent to this evil that might be there. Uh, but Xavier, you know the truth of it. You gave your speech about ancients. She kind of listened to you. Um, actually, not even kind of. You know she listened to you, but what she told you was, that is your um, fate. That's that's what you carry. She knows of another thing. And when she took you to this place, Volog Bog, before, you felt your guts turn in on themselves. A sense of primordial fear, the hair standing up on your neck, just being near this body of water. And when she saw that you could feel it too, she knew it had to be investigated, but she had to get permission. Now, that seemed weird to you. 
you adjust the car permission, you're in Yaga and Elder, we'll both go in and smoke the whole council if there's an issue. It's not how it's done. And why she told you it's not how it's done was what if you're both right? You're going to need those people in there, and you might need their assistance. And as much as she doesn't like them, it was the Tremere whom you very well might need. And the child, the child Nikolai, he seems to be a child. She'll tell you the greatest evil in Chicago is that is that entity. And she has to deal with him uh, very carefully. And how she deals with them, she fluffs up his ego when it comes to the occult. Notoriously, the gang don't know anything about the occult. You're the only ones out here that you know of that could sense something is off. And therefore, she has to go and try to beat the fires to get the recruitment of the Primogen Council, however that's going to be, because there is no prince. They won't agree on one. And so she has to go way in and, and sit as advisor to direct how that goes. The rest of you were, well, I won't, I'll say the rest of you in terms of Mark by default, because Xavier used you as the bus driver, so to speak. Uh, the wolf pack is it's an ask. And uh, two different things were asked for both of you. Now, I don't mind everybody knowing this far. Wolf pack, your individual talk with Inyaga was a little different. When Xavier wasn't there, it was more or less, she does think this is worth investigating and certainly figuring out if it is something to worry about because mm-hmm. the gang girl won't hesitate to kill it. And she needs the toughest to do it. And she, no, no hands, uh, it was no hands, no, uh, no restraint to tell you she's positive. She's talking to the gang girl that will execute without need for politics. And that's the point. And, uh, but she'll join you, uh, to help out, but she has to do this first. So if while you're doing this, there's no surprise, we're actually hired the Bruja clan to come and wipe you out because we're done dealing with your antics. And with the last, uh, we'll call this the advent of war is what she'll mention. There are many Permagen who would do just that to get any leverage they can. So she has to be at those meetings. But when she's done, she's coming back out here to see what's up. But then, Tyrus, you know what she told you. Uh, pulled you aside you know, to, to let you know how it has to be out here. And that was that. Now, for Xavier, your talk, pretty much as you know. Uh, the slight difference. She tells you kind of a story of the wolf pack. That they uh, simply put, these children, and she'll label them, have lost their way. They have forgotten that as much of a beast as they can be and have the freedom that comes, there is a human tithe of morality that they no longer have. They don't see that. And, you know, there is a position of what elders must do. If they become too much of a burden, we must do what we must do. And you adjust the car. You understand what that means. But... The focus has to be basically watch your back when you're out here, but at the same time, they may be receptible to what you have to say if you're you take the time to speak to them. Um, but she's not calling them whites. What she's saying is, and quite simply, Mike, to make it as basic as possible, um, humans have a place. They are prey. One does not slaughter your prey. That is a needless thing. You know that. She knows that. Um, she suspects the wolf pack absolutely knows that. The only problem is she's also seen the wolf pack trash rival biker gangs. And it's, it's unnecessary as far as she's concerned. It's your food acts up. You, if you're hungry, eat one of them and leave. But what you don't do is put the bike around your hand, drag people for miles on end and other excess. And they've done that. They, they find that very fun. But you can tell in Yaga, eh, she's a little too old. She doesn't understand what that means, right? Defending of turf, bravado. She wasn't raised in the era as this gang was, and you can see it clearer than she can. 
this is kind of, they're a product of where they're from and they're not centuries beyond when they were alive. So this, maybe they're more human than she's giving them credit. And so it's left to you. And as far as Avery's concerned, you're concerned. Hey, yeah, we'll take care of it. Old one. And we'll, we'll see you later. <laughs> go be wise, turn into your owl, go have your little council meeting. I'll, I'll let you know. And that's that. Um, but everybody getting the direction and told to meet up and in Ingleside, Illinois is easy enough. Uh, it's up to you. If you want to meet in the city proper or you want to meet in the train tracks or um, if you want to meet at the state park. Um, I would, I would try to be courteous and, and put a meeting somewhere that their bikes could get to. Right. I'm, I'm assuming I know what kind of bikes they ride. <laughs> so if that's, that sounds like the train tracks to me, but I, I've never been to the state park. So I don't know. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm easy enough. And I'm going to assume. Say, I'm going to take care of one. You said that the, the tracks, right? You wanted to meet at the, the platform. Yeah. Yeah. All oh, this is a parking lot next to the railroad. Perfect. Right. Right on mm -hmm. park. Do your thing. Um, easy enough. In fact, uh, it'll crack you up, Mark, that when you roll Xavier too. And actually, Mark, what ride would you take the former elite Jessica in? He'd probably drive in one of those old Mustangs. Uh, things probably made more metal. It probably weighs a lot more than it really should. Back in the day before everything was kind of plastic, he has like an, uh, an affection for it, if anything at all, because at least it, it identifies him. Um, as he drives Xavier, though, he will make a couple of comments regarding the vehicle itself just to see how old this former Jester car is and see whether or not he has any types of affectations, if at all, uh, for what may or may not be the remaining amounts of his humanity. <laughs> what you trying to say? <laughs> um, well, for, for what it's worth, you, you get a, a, a thank you and all of the courtesy. Um, for uh, continuing to help convey me uh, <laughs> throughout these United States. No comments directly about the Mustang, though. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty, pretty legit. Um, for Xavier, you know, um, about the car aside from that, uh, you look with your your former training, your former title. Really, it's hard for you not to. When you try to judge Mark from top down, it is refreshing and a little scary. Um, when he showed up, it was at a limo. That's what he was in when he was at the docks. Uh, that's where you went to get him. And uh, U.S. Customs, he was talking to them like he owns U.S. Customs. <laughs> There's about 11 employees outside there, which is a large shift for a customs group. And he had them opening up crates and transferring goods. You see right in the open that they went and took a, a semi-trailer, unhitched it, opened it up. That's a haven. You've seen these before, a mobile haven. Has all the accoutrement. Nice new wardrobe, armor. There's weapons in there. There's a place to sit. It locks on the inside. You've used these yourself, especially if a turf had to be, um, if you're in a war, it's uh, about holding a siege in a city. That That's like how the Justice Car would, would transport their archons. They would arrive hidden but prepared to wage war out of the crate. This guy has that happenstance. It's like he's doing a spot check. They rolled it out. He opened it up. He looked at it. Yeah, that's still good. But add this kilo of coke. <laughs> and, and just they took it out the limo and walked it up. But this is customs. These are the people who would have checked for that. And they swap it all over and everything's good. He doesn't transfer money to them. They're just like, yeah, of course, absolutely. And move away. And then uh, they roll out the ride you're in currently thinking about it uh, from the back of a shipping crate. 
like they were transporting vehicles and they took the fresh plastic off and he gets his own and uh, just hops in, has the key for it and moves on. Nobody says anything to him. Uh, the government plates on the vehicle are a nice touch. Now, you knew him in Europe and you know that he had a habit of like, especially in France, going down the river. Um, there were several boats he'd like to use. These are like old school modded houseboats uh, that maybe once upon a time were used for smuggling. Looking at this, hell yeah, they're used for smuggling. Like, if there was any doubt, this guy just basically has a friend of a friend of a friend everywhere he goes to help it along. And so when you're out here, this is nothing to him. And you begin to understand that he's, it's hard to not see that that was a test from when he asked you and you either passed it, you don't really know. Being a little hidden is not not a bad thing. However, it is a shock to you to roll up to the wolf pack um, on account of very much laissez-faire, they're there first. You meant to be there. They're just kind of around. But I'm going to hold that description for one reason. I didn't ask. Um, Wolfpack, are you going to be hospitable and host to these guys and pick up a little little food for them? Or were we deciding to just, you know what, we're here, you here, and that's that? I mean, it is your neighborhood. Were this anyone else, Loden could come back. Be like, hey, we need to talk, and we would just show up and like, you know, do that second option, just here to talk. But given that there is uh, quite possibly the only other kindred worth respecting, at least in Chicago, that I know of left, asked me to do a favor, we will in fact uh, bring some food. So, um, uh, Dread, uh, Ramrod, I don't know about you two, I'm feeling like, um, you know, there was a there was a biker bar on the way back. Um, someone was being a little too lippy. Actually, not even that. They were wearing a bottom rocker, and they had no right wearing that bottom rocker here because this is our turf. Uh, I figure we would have dragged them behind us for a little bit, uh, just to oh. soften them up, and then throw them on the back of the motorcycle, right proper. And um, they'll yep. they'll be here. Um, given that we're meeting two, we should probably have at least two of these people. We got three bikes. That's enough. It's enough room. Delicious, <laughs> boss. So there's a terif- there's two terrified bikers who are uh, road rashed and unbandaged who are sitting nearby wondering what's next, and uh, you know what this is they're, they're they're defeated. But Xavier, what you understand they don't get is that uh, wait a second they're calling them bikers. It is a biker bar, but there are a lot of like you know veterans who get out and decide the open road is what they want to do, and they wear certain cuts that have Harley on it. And he gets certain bikes, and they drive around, and they like to say they're badasses, and that's what goes on. And, uh, it's clear that to the wolf pack, these weak ass bikes, like it's the it, man, how the mighty have fallen. You, you can see victims when you see them, but these guys were probably victims before they grabbed them. In that aspect, right? Like it's just the wrong bikers across. And uh, for the wolf pack, it's not anything wrong in that description. It's two different ways to look at it. If you wear the cut. You're about that life. It's mm-hmm. that simple. That's biker law. And uh, the Hells Angels respond accordingly to that very methodology. And that's it. So if they can't TCB, taking care of business, then you need to be wearing like a jean jacket. Well, you can have a Harley patch, but don't try to represent any neck of the woods that's saying you're a one percenter. And sure as shit, due to the Sons of Anarchy, they have cuts. They thought they were somebody. The lesson is learned. Their final one, as far as it looks. And um, both guys, 
Uh, one guy's probably in his 30s, uh, maybe suffering a midlife crisis early, but that road definitely told him he is. Being drugged for a bit does that. And mm-hmm. uh, the second one, um, hit the gym a little hard. Maybe he's in his 20s. Maybe that could be even a relative of his head. You don't really care. They're smart enough not to harass and annoy you guys by saying anything. There's some humility to being held hostage in the capacity you described, and they're just hoping that that's a cop that rolled up. That much you could see. But not being an idiot, they definitely don't have cell phones. They've been they've been removed of that pleasure uh, a while ago. Uh, but that is, uh, Mark, when you roll up, it seems, uh, seems the gang is all here. Well, vroom, vroom, he comes in with that nice thick engine of his making that sound. Um, if anything at all, more testing the wolf pack than anything else. But he will pull up, let that vehicle slow roll, and uh, he'll park the car. And uh, he'll turn over to the side and take a look over at Xavier. Looks like they brought gifts. This is your party, my friend. How do you want to proceed about this? Um, let's be polite. And um, do you have? It doesn't matter. Never mind. Um, yes, let's. Let's be polite. <laughs> oh, you mean, do I have a way of taking care of those two? Uh, the truck is empty, by the way. I mean, I didn't anticipate we'd probably be holding on to this vehicle for too long. Do you want me to pop it just in case? No, uh, no, not, not yet. Um, we'll, we'll know what they need to do um, when they react to me. Uh, and he'll kind of just point to his nose. That is clearly two slits of a bat. <laughs> Um, Ramrod's gonna excitedly get off his bike to take it out of the car out, up close. Um, easily to your eye, you could tell modded work. Um, designed to make that chassis seem hidden, but you can see where there's an extra bolt or two where they did it from underneath. Careful not to crack the paint on top. In fact, they had to paint it over in the parts it did, but you can tell those subtle bumps and rubbing your hand over the top of the car. Uh, it's, it's pretty decent. You can also tell the, the windows are bulletproof. The tinting is definitely not legal. and uh, But to your eyes, it's not anything that's going to hide you able to see it at all. Uh, the tires are the interesting part. You've seen run-flat tires before. Um, they're thin enough on the road. If they pop, they're able to still get traction and keep going, even with the rubber. Um, X amount of miles, but he has it. Feels like a James Bond car, but where you have the respect of him is the fact that, okay, this has government plates. Hard to pull off. You got to have the connects to do that. This means if they get pulled over, there's something that's going to tell the cops to either not search it or they have to let them go or something along those lines without him ever having to open the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, depending, you might want to steal them, but uh, that's what that's what's there. It's it's a decent car. Mm-hmm. It's not your work, but it'll it'll. Do. I could make it real good. <laughs> With some time. Um, but no, I'll be I'll be sure not to hit rim route with my car door when I pop out in all my uh beast traded glory. <laughs> Mark will exit right afterwards. Uh he'll let Xavier take the walk out for a second before he himself will pop out and um depending on where Xavier stands, he'll at least stand by his flank. Uh, or if he's just meeting them right outside his door, he'll just lean on his vehicle and uh, offer a nice little 2D grin to the wolf pack. 
uh, Tyrus pretty much just ignores Mark right now. Uh, he doesn't like get up. Uh, he does stop leaning on the uh, the scout bike he rode in on. Um, but uh, he will finish. Um, well, he pulled out a, a pack of cigarettes. You'll see as you get out of the car, Xavier, and it looked like he was about the light one as he was standing over the other guy. Uh, but then he's like, oh, I guess you're here. And he just tucks it back up under his shirt as he'll walk to meet you halfway. Um, Xavier will offer you as conventional a handshake as possible as to each member of the, of the wolf pack, uh, starting with Tyrus, obviously. I'm, uh, staying behind for now and just staring like some guard dog. <laughs> I'll All come right. around a little bit too close from behind and then like do an awkward shake as if I'm like, this is probably how you do. <laughs> uh, thank you all for your time um, on such short notice as well um, and you'll kind of gesture at the at the captives you'll, you'll gesture to them and uh, they don't know what's going on and when you gesture to them and one of them does look up they glance right down and you you do hear the telltale what the and you just stay, they just stare down. I'll give a huge what? laugh. Like, yeah, we brought some food. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Well, I I don't wish I don't wish to be rude. Um, this is this is Mark. Mark, have you met Mark? You hear you hear, you hear the kid of the of the cab just say, "Hey, man, hey, hey, hey!" And we don't want to hear nothing. We're like, not can we? Can we go somewhere? Like we don't, we don't know nothing. We didn't do any drugs. We don't do drugs. This has nothing to do with the this hell man. Up. <laughs> he'll he'll get quiet and look down. And uh, the other guy has a, a makeshift uh, hand on his shoulder to kind of steady him. Whether it's the benefit of age or shut the hell up can get a lot worse as they knew. Most likely are the first words you said to in a hot minute. So that's where they go back to. Mark will uh, simply walk up to Xavier. Uh, he'll once again just kind of give him the once over a moment. He's like, "Don't worry, I'll uh, I'll have him put away for now." He'll look at the rest of the wolf pack. Hey, everyone, Mark, pleasure to meet you. I'm just gonna put these in the back seat for a moment, and uh, he'll just open up the back seat of the door, and he'll one by one start putting them in the back. It's not hard um, for added uh, added effect. You keep your hand in the back of their neck. Because absolutely, when, when the younger guy gets towards the car, he tries to run. Um, however, if you've never seen fear like this, it's almost comical. You forget just how strong you are and how fragile a mortal can be, as no doubt there's bruising, as you support his entire body up as he tries to run with just the back of his neck. And it's funny to see his legs kick once or twice, and then he realizes, what the hell? And you're like, yeah, get in. Oh, and he gets in. After that, it's like, uh-huh. Well, I didn't try to do anything. And uh, we'll just say the old guy watching from inside the car already just shaking his head as that kid gets inside. <laughs> Don't worry, Jones. Uh, you stay back there. Everything will be okay. And you just, like, pat the top of the vehicle before heading back over to the group. Both his hands kind of in his pockets, and he just kind of rocks back and forth on his heels. Uh, Mark, for the edification of our wolf pack here, is, like, standing 
a mighty five and a half feet. This guy's a little bit wiry built, but he's got a look of a little bit of a shaggy hair and an old school look like maybe he existed in a time where humans just happen to be a little bit shorter, uh, but that doesn't stop him from being just as genial as he is. I, mean, I can't imagine I'm much, much larger, actually, now that you mentioned that, DJ. <laughs> Uh, things were a lot different 400 years ago. We weren't nearly as tall. It's all right, Mike. It's okay. <laughs> Don't judge me. In my mind, I'm always me. Um, no, uh, <clears throat> but no, I, uh, I just ask you guys, has any, have any of you ever, um, ever been to Volo Balk? Go fast. Sure. We go up and down. All over, not just Chicago's domain, but the whole state. There's not much of this place we haven't seen. Uh-huh. Okay. For, for Dread, you didn't call it Volobog. You called that the, the disposal. Um, I'd say for the better part of 30 years, whenever uh, you're, because you're in the biker place. In fact, you're, you're a nightmare name. You're someone who can walk into any biker place of legitimate crime and people, the presidents bring you in immediately. It's a party so that they can go in the back and have a chat with you when you tell them what the new way to be is. And it's kind of what you're used to. You don't even think Tyrus is aware of that, but that's what you bring to the wolf pack. And that's that Tyrus is a different rep. If anybody has a problem, no, they don't. And that's all on his own. And so there's, there's a rep of fear and there's a rep of respect. And you have that one of respect for a lot of your ideas but one of them was, you know, for a fact, training, uh, and you have trained quite a few of these gangs how to dispose of things. It's a proper way to take evidence, saran it up, weigh it down with rocks. And the bog holds many secrets. So maybe by day it looks like a nice place for the family to come out and do a nature trail. But if the if those graves could talk. And uh, it's interesting that they bring it up now. You've you've been, um, but you never noticed anything odd about the place. Strange feelings, strange smells, strange sights. Just a bog, huh? Emerald will stare at Dread. Uh, I will walk a bit closer, uh, Tyrus. It's a, uh, it's more a graveyard than a bog these days. Well, there you go. It's a place to get rid of problems. It's never been a problem. Mm. Well, except it's super creepy. If if I can be so rude, um, when you dispose of these problems, do they tend to have um, blood? Blood left in them. Mm. Some do, some don't. Usually they lose all their blood when we get them over there, you know, them being in multiple pieces tend to just run out all over. You know, just bury them in like a grave. Like this is some cemetery back in in New England. You cut them up, maybe weigh them down in a bag and toss them in different parts. And yeah, they show up later, but usually it's just bones or nothing anyone can do anything with. I hate to say Tyrus, but I prefer to silver tape my bag, so I'm pretty sure both that I drop off have a lot of blood in them. 
Mm. Mm. Oh, there you go. Mm. Uh, and you will see him kind of doing what Mike's doing, bouncing back and forth between your faces. Um, uh, do you mind? Can we just go up there together tonight before we try to reach out to Inyanga? Um, I just, I got a hunch. Hmm. That is what we're here to do. Uh, what is your hunch? Well, I've been, and my experience was not your experience. Um, there was a presence. It was unpleasant and fear is unfamiliar to me. Um, certainly not of something I can't see. We could do. More eyes, more hands, more feet. Mark will, uh, he'll pull out a cigarette at this moment in time out of a case that he has hidden inside of his nice little leather jacket that goes along with the look of the Mustang. Because, I mean, if you're going to have the Mustang, you might as well have the appearance with it as well. You don't get that good money and not put it to use. Um, but he'll balance the cigarette on his lip for a moment before kind of offering a cigarette um, from its case over to the Wolfpack members in case they want to take with themselves. Um, there afterwards, he will light up a cigarette and uh, he'll blow the first amount of smoke out from his nostrils before looking over at Xavier. Old friend, just a question, if I may. Perhaps it's just... It's just me. We've taken all this time and the amount of resources, and don't get me wrong, I actually quite enjoy bringing this vehicle out here. It has been some time since I've had the opportunity to drive through the Midwest. But we're here on a hunch. You are aware Chicago is that way, yes? And there are many resources that must be taken care of, especially when we're taking a look at our, our organization. Well, our organization's thing. I know that you have taken a step back and I do this as a favor to you, but I'm going to need a little bit more than a hunt, and I think you would to our friends here who have so graciously brought us food. You'll take a look back at the vehicle to be a little bit less obtuse, yes? Uh, Tyrus will take the cigarette that you offer. Um, and as you're talking Xavier, he'll, like, puff on it. And when you, like, um, I feel like Mark would do that thing where he's talking to him, but then he looks around at the rest of the group a bit. And when you catch Tyrus's eye, he'll blow it out, and then he takes the cigarette and puts it out, like, on the inside of his forearm uh, and just flicks it towards you. <sighs> now, Xavier, Xavier, that act, ahead. why it's significant, the fear of fire that every vampire has. A cigarette... Seems innocuous, but you're supposed to act like flypaper. There have been lesser canines to have some very horrible responses. You've tortured people with cigarettes before. It can, over a lot of them, lead to a problem. So the beast tends to recoil. You know where Tyrus has been. But the cigarette on the inside of his thigh, he doesn't even get aroused. You'd be That beast is still slumbering, like he rolled over in bed. For what mm -hmm. it's worth, that scar... Uh, and it does scar it being, you know, a bane, uh, even if it's a cigarette. But it's uh, now that your eyes are drawn to it, it's not the only scar that's there. Um, but he'll look at you. It's uh, that bog does have some history. I'm not the expert in it. No one's ever stayed around it. Like Ramrod was saying, bad vibes and all. 
story I was told is the bog was made from a glacier that crawled its way down up from the north. And it brought something with it. At least that's the stories that were told to me. I've not felt anything around there. You say you do? Fine. We'll go up and check it out. If something down there needs putting down, well, we're the one to do it. I, I don't, I don't mean to rush you. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, and Xander will try to step around the car so we can get access to those, those gentlemen who were offered up <laughs> moments ago. <laughs> Every single sorry and like difference thing that he's doing, Ramrod's like thoroughly confused. Like, why would you? I'm going to take a big sloppy bite if you don't say anything or stop him out of whichever one of those men I can get to first. As you can imagine, when, when Bat, <laughs> Batman, as in the negative Batman, mm-hmm. from like Stephen King's Night Flyer, steps around. Or, or Man Bat. Turn open the door. Um, you, It's as if they could smell it's going to be one of them, and you see a fist, a fist fight erupt between the two. And what you see is the old timer um, from the inside of this vehicle has a wine bottle. It's definitely what Mark had in there, um, but you don't drink it. But you forget these things. Maybe a different clientele. Maybe this vehicle was made for somebody else. But that wine bottle is used to great effectiveness by this older guy who begins clubbing this kid over her head. And you just opened the door. That's all you did, Xavier. And as the kid's dazed, he grabs him to pull him over to shove him towards you. (laughs) I will. There's like a motion, like I'm bringing my head closer at the same time as I will grab this man. And I'm going to just try to get at a nice, needy throat face area section where I think I can draw some blood quickly because I can't. I have to show that I appreciate the hospitality. ah. To you, it's hospitality. You're like, ah, feeding's great. You're growling low. You're enjoying yourself. Everybody can see he needs a moment. Uh, to top off as you're kind of left to yourself for a moment. But for you to note, Xavier, the gesture where you're like feeding a little bit and as you're going at it, you look at him, kind of give him the wink and the nod. We're not eating steak at a restaurant, pal. And when you give him a wink and a nod, all you have is somebody like small in the corner to the other side of the vehicle as you realize this vampires are real, monsters are real. <laughs> the the horrible stories that he's heard about this weird-ass ghost biker game that can come around and do shit. He's anywhere. But but in the in in logic land, just hoping if he could be invisible, it's all over his face as you're trying to make him okay with good eating. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh I'm not going to uh I'm not going to take the time to drain the younger man that I'm feeding from currently. But in younger would have taught me that it's you have to be polite to the chef. You have to show them that you appreciate what they've offered. Um, sometimes for a mortal that's with a belt or a fart um, to confirm that what you received was noted and good and thank you. Um, so I'm going to drink from this man until he passes out and then I'm going to stick him back in the back of his car. <laughs> well, while you're feeding, enjoying yourself, everybody else, he's taking a moment to pause, leaving you to your own devices here. Mark, if you could look back in a second before he looks over at the rest of uh, the wolf pack, he's like, apologies, it seems like he's still jet-lagged. He only recently got in. I've known him to be a little bit more talkative after he's fed. Uh, Tyrus... I'm staring at you for an answer. 
Uh, for Mark, you're not certain if Tyrus hears you as he watches Cyrus or Cyrus. I'm Tyrus. He watches Xavier walk all the way back to the, the Mustang until he gets into it. And before, after that, he'll actually act like you exist. Is he always jet lagged? Only recently. I also wouldn't be worried if for whatever reason he's still spooked after his encounter. I don't doubt that he's encountered something itself, but here we are. And uh, who are you to him? His child? His old lady? <laughs> He'll smile. If only I would have had more perks if that was the case. No, I'm his... Uh, I'm his bus driver. I'm his chauffeur for the evening, or these couple of evenings while he's still here. I'm getting a good kickback out of this, if you would say a thing. Former call and all. It has a, a certain ring to it, and being able to assist one might be able to assist me in the future as well. Mm-hmm. Ramrod will give you a tip of how you could make your car better. Nice. He's like, it's actually, you know, if everything goes off well and this isn't so much of an issue, you'll look over at Ramrod. I wouldn't have any issues with you taking the car itself. As a gift. I mean, you are being patient with us. I mean, my friend here. And he'll take a look back just to see whether or not Xavier's done eating or not. (laughs) Um, He's done, but there is an awkwardness to him as he he has to lick the wound. He's kind of putting the kid back and making sure his limbs are in. And whatnot because he passed out, and the other guy is just sort of like, Leave me alone. And you hear Xavier, like, You're you're all right, it's okay, no worries, you're all right. As then he then shuts the door to stand up, his head barely touching over the top, as he said already. (laughs) I'll hold you to that. He'll wink and look back over at Xavier, feeling better. Uh, yes, yes. Thumb. Let literal, actual, kind of clawed, talon-like thumb. All right, then. Full of luck. Anything we should know before heading over there? I I just want to say, and he'll come, you know, close the distance before he uh, goes into another tirade. Um, I ask you to come with me. Um because I would not do what was done to me for years and uh, send you into the absence uh, by yourself to get information um, based on a lie or a supposition. Um, uh, uh, no disrespect to Mark here uh, as a, a remaining member of our clan uh, in the tower, but I did many of these tasks either by myself or with the aid of Archons, and, and I was just told to go. Um, I would have you see, and we we will we will see together. Is, am I making sense? Kind of look to Tyrus, Ramrod, Dread, back to Tyrus. No, but if there's anything there to see, I guess we'll see it. Xavier, you got to understand, we've been. Um, Archons by uh, Ramrod. What was her name? Um, um, uh, Inya, Inya Gaga. No, 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 no. The ju- no, the other. Matter. Yeah, yeah, the one that gave us our title. I uh, don't care about her. We're not. Uh, 
we don't do what we do because we're archons. We're archons because we do what we do, Xavier. Working with Justicar isn't uh, a new territory. We know what that's like. We're not here because you used to be a Justicar. We're here because this is a gangrel matter. We get shit done. It gets needs to get done. Um, good enough for me. Uh, yes. Okay. And he'll spin on the heel and head back to the car. He'll, uh, before Mark, the rest of the go ahead. Before Mark goes away, I'll, uh, touch him by the shoulder. I don't care how you get rid of those guys. Uh, they're your food as far as I'm concerned, but, uh, if I see them anywhere in this state again with those bottom rockers on, I'm going to pay by 95 with their flesh. And I'll just tap you on the shoulder as we get onto our bikes. He'll, uh, he'll take one quick lingering look over at the people before giving a small shrug, and he's like, je comprends. He'll head over to uh, Xavier, and he'll get back in the vehicle, totally ignoring that there's a mortal in the background that may be understanding their conversation. He's like, very well, then I guess we should take a look at your boogeyman. I'm assuming that you're keeping this young gentleman in the event that we need to take a nightcap? Yes. Also, we might he'll, need to uh, he'll start up the engine, and he's like, for your sake, my friend, I hope that there is something out there. And he's like, you, you have quite a way about you. I don't remember you ever being this way, especially amongst them. Don't get me wrong, those people are deserving of their title, this wolf pack. They've seen battle. They most definitely have seen battle. Not to say you haven't either, but you seem a little shaky. Is it that real? Mark, I have never seen or felt anything like it. Uh, I told people that I trusted um, who I risked my immortality for time and again, what I saw and what I felt, which wasn't wasn't a lot to see, but the feeling was uh, unlike anything ever. Um, and I go and I rant and I embarrass myself in front of the fucking council. And they looked at me like a mewling child. So either they knew already and they lied to me and to you and everyone like us all over the world for no reason. They could have just told us. We could have organized. We, we could have done so many different things if they had just told us. Who, who have we not faced? Who have we not killed? We've, instead, they lied and made me out to be the fool. So, I, old as I may be, I'll not be as they are ever if I live until the sun burns out in the sky, Mark. You'll give a, a nice long nod after consideration. Very well, my friend. One way or another, we'll figure this out. Hopefully what you say is true. Uh, one way or another, we'll have the right of it. And uh, he'll pull out and start driving in the direction given to him by Xavier. All right. What about the wolf pack? Yeah, you think this is a good idea, Tyrus? I don't know. Nyaga believes him. 
Well, she doesn't believe him. She also says she... Inyaga said she came here because of what's in that bog. She's moving on it now because Xavier is. But you need to watch Xavier. Mark said he's acting squirrely recently. Inyaga said the same thing, too. Whatever's in that bog might be something older than us, and it might be affecting Xavier. So, Dread, you watch Xavier. He does anything... He does anything that might make you think he's under some kind of... He's acting squirrely. You can put him down, but you do not kill him. That's something I promised in Yaga. Whatever happens here, if there's something in there, we kill it. If it's affecting Xavier, then we free him from it. That's the deal we made. Ramrod, you watch Marcus. I don't know him, so I don't trust him. I don't know why he thinks he can talk to Xavier that way. Challenging him. Yeah, that's how I know he's under the effect of something. You know, Justicar going to go around saying, excuse me, this, sorry, that. Well, a man drives the car so we know what kind of man he is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Depending on how this goes, we might get to wishbone someone tonight. We'll just have to see. Oof. And he'll, uh, he'll just rev up the motorcycle and head on over to the bog. Yep. Yeah. Right there, uh, catching up's not hard, but I, I just have to ask, Mark, are you going to show off or are you just going to obey the traffic lights and the stop signs and do your thing? Um, to a show off. I mean, he has a place for a reason. And I think uh, more than anything else, considering <clears throat> Mark is old and he's done what he's done to survive in the fashion that he does. Um, what I mean by this is because of the connections that he does, someone is always going to test the fence and very well knowing that his clan is who they are, regardless of whether or not they're camera anarchs about whatever have you. Um, the beast must always at least show some sort of uh, semblance of what it can or can't do. Um, and so with these people uh, behind him, he has no problems just revving up and, and speeding to his joy's light and seeing what they'll do and respond. All I could say is, is as he's on the road, guys, you're, uh, you realize he's not, he's a speed limit driver. He's obeying a road, the signs of it, whatever, until um, you start gaining on him. And when he sees you getting up close, probably a quarter mile out, you watch him no longer obey a stop sign, completely blows a red light. And uh, it's like he's taunting. You're going to follow. What are you going to do? Um you're, you're kings of the road. I think we understand a challenge when we see one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyrus just blazes past him. It sounds like he just, once we started catching up to him, he just started driving like how we drive normally. So we'll show him how to drive. Yep. Yeah. And, and so to this, here's a dangerous element, Mark. You want to test it, and it's it's not a test. It's like you're doing that, and they just competitively blow by you understanding what it is at this point they're on bikes that's the one flaw there is here if you decide to play bumper cars advantage is to you but they definitely have speed they can't outrun you those are nice bikes they have good pick me up when it comes to top speed and getting there um you can see you have about give or take 10 minute ride 
um, definitely ignoring speed limit and everything else. It's what they're willing to do to do it. And you realize, sleepy town it may be, there's occasional traffic. There's there's folks who use a gas station and are heading on their way home, and they're shocked, as you expect the sheep to be, right? Who's breaking the law? Oh, my God. They're going to call the cops, and uh, that's going to draw attention. Odd thing you know. <clears throat> Excuse me. You see a speed trap. They'll roll through it. Um, the cop probably in question is he just probably woke up. He did just wake up. You can see that look as you roll by. Um, is going to be trying to at least catch you, as often speed traps go. The, the bikes the bikes blew by, all right, you guys are doing about a smooth, I'd say about 90 at this point, um, what I call the cruising speed for Kindred, who know we won't die in this wreck. And uh, that's fine. You're flirting. This is not the top speed they can go to. It's not the top speed you can get to. But the simple fact is, how do you guys want to play this out? Knowing, by the way, Mark, you do have a cop with the with the cherries on uh, behind you at the moment. Oh, that's fine. I'll just uh, there's he's not going to be able to catch up. I mean, at one point or another, he's either going to turn back or call for more. At that point, I'll be concerned. Right now, uh, I'm just keeping up with the others. I'm going to tell you, you're keeping up with the others, and you see Xavier roll on the window, crawl out. He has to put his clawed fingertips in your car to be able to get purchase of a, of a handhold initially to stand in the hood on the passenger side with his palm out, uh, seemingly very excited uh, that we're doing this competition driving and the cops you thought weren't going to get called. Now more cops will get called. This went from a speeding thing to where if you can catch you, you get a ticket to a, what the hell is going on? We need to pull these people over before they hurt themselves. And Mark, you get that. And to confirm it, here you are in your your radio channel switcher as you go through it. And what you'll hear is, Dale, I'm serious. Get You need to wake up. You get get everyone to station down on here. I'm out here going on the highway block because Bob's not there. And we, we need to catch this guy. It's a black car with government plates, but they got some crazy guy on the hood with three bikers they're chasing. I think we really got a drug war. <laughs> Says it over the radio. And uh, what you'll hear is radio discipline car 12. Uh, we don't use names in the radio. Oh, oh right, ten four. I get, what do you want me to do? I, this is, they, they were clocked at doing ninety two. He's like, ah, oh, yes, keep on them. Backup's coming. We're we're, we're in route. And um, in the distance, those in the bike, even over the bike, you can hear sirens. You're not blind. In fact, folks who are in top speed will note it is hard for normal noise to hit you. However, those sirens are designed to cut through. They're meant mm-hmm. to get your attention. You are to pull over for the authorities. Um, they're a distance away, but they're coming in hot. You know that. Um, well, I'm going to say for you three, you could just leave the road. That's what your bikes afford you the ability to do. It's like they're going to get close enough. We're about to show them what a chase is. I'm not going to at all tell you this would be a hard thing for you to ditch cops. But I will tell you, you would lose the competition then that apparently Xavier feels is afoot. As, as Mark's driving his moving surf land surfboard, like that's the best way to put it. <laughs> uh, it ain't no has been just car gonna beat us. That's what I'm telling you right now. <laughs> um, so, what we'll have here, if no one's backing off, and a very interesting drive out there. Um, it's easy to see. Well, before I, before I add that, that bit, Mark, you know, 
that train of police, it's at least four cars. Right? What would you like to do? Are you going to attempt to blow past the turnoff for Volek Bog and try to ditch him? Or are you just going to pull into the lot and see how these this whole crew handles it? He'll, uh... He'll slick... <laughs> he rolls his eyes for a moment and, like, he actually smiles for the first time, like a genuine smile. Not one that he's putting up. But he'll uh, he'll tell Xavier, listen, I'm going to keep driving. You drop off. I'm going to lose these guys. <laughs> just, I will, again, just kind of grab that rim of the window and say, no, 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 no. Take them to the bulk. <laughs> I have a plan. <laughs> The sound. Wait, this how is how I know you're car? crazy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> is um, the car close to us? What was that, Marcus? Um, is the car close to us? Oh hell no! Like by okay. by the order of saying he's blowing past, um, mm-hmm. Tyrus is going to beat him, and this is a race. And you're sharing how how you ride. Um, three bikes speeding ahead. So, no thing about bike. We know them, right? Their maneuverability is why they're king. Your bike's worked on by you, Ramrod. They're absolutely got an unusual top speed. And so, they can get it. They'll top out about 112, 120, depending on how hard Tyrus is going to push it. He's not. Honestly, you're jerks. It, it's like, you know this car. He's not. If he hits 125 in his vehicle, great. But that car is going to have all kinds of issues in terms of any slight alteration. Um, good thing those wind that windshield's bulletproof because that's a factor as well. So in other words, there's all these things you know we could totally fuck with this car right now beyond speed, but there's former Justicar Xavier surfing on top of it, so maybe not, or maybe that's the point. So that's why they're a bit ahead. Now, how far ahead? Um, for your edification, maybe about uh, 20 meters that you can see, and in a, in a car race, that's nothing. That's uh, somebody sleeps, doesn't take a turn right, you can blow past that. At your speeds. And if it helps, yes, someone's shouting something. <laughs> you can't hear it, hope to hear anything over the siren, but you do know it's shouting because the occasional look back, yeah. Xavier's like ducked down in the vehicle and you can tell his head in there. He's not attacking him. <laughs> Gotta be saying something. And it sounds a lot like, ah, 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 <laughs> you know, back and forth. So is what it is. But we're uh, going to do Mark something, will, of course, because you right. want to slow down. Nothing stops you from doing that either. I got I'm going to let the car come, like, you know, slow down just enough so that we're side by side with the car and then do a, a, a stupid stunt just to show off that I can. Like, jump off, take, you know, one leap on the pavement push the car a little bit, you know, not a potence, get off the road, but just like tap it with my feet and then back on the, on the motorcycle and then go up again. So she scuffs your gators. In another word, um, you're there talking to Xavier, but ah, yeah, and he's like, pull off the side of the road and you look over and you see Ramrod slow down with that, uh, his, his good looks, his baby face, the hair whipping. And, uh, he does this weird, it's weird, because why would you expect it? 
bikes rolling forward going at a speed that you wouldn't think somebody would risk this, but then again, not everybody's a canine and does exactly what she said he does. He, he leaps, almost walks in the car to stomp his foot for a minute to hop back in the car. Is it enough to deviate you? And it is. It is to get you to think, okay, I'm going to correct it. It's, it's an instinct. It's like, boom, I was tapped. All right, but it wasn't a vehicle. It's not his vehicle. You go to see back, and yeah, he waves a little bit, but that's kind of part of what you do to get control back. It's been done before. As uh, you realize, great, this is a lot like Mad Max. Right? <laughs> the thought that it is your head is uh, he's still there, and that the game's afoot. They're still ahead of you, and one beside you. Part that intrigues you, uh, the police saw that. This just disrupts the ante. Like, you're, you're a guy who knows how this is going to go, right? Right now, Chicago PD is being called. Right now. This escalated from being a suburb issue to where get the highway patrol, and, you know, you got a sheriff who rolled out here, and now the highway patrol is doing what they can. Yeah, the Ch- Chicago has to devote the votes. they got to do something. This isn't going to be just uh, – we're, we're at a felony level of whoever mm-hmm. gets caught in this race. That's the loss. Um, but you got to order some Xavier. It's pulling the bug. i got a plan. As you start, what is your plan, Xavier? You have no time to have a long, drawn-out conversation here looking at the road. I'm going to say that. We're at that point where we're asking you, Mark, is it maybe before this, if we're cruising the speed limit, we could talk right. about what the is lead them off the road. At this level, there's like a sign. You have three miles before you pass the state park. Those miles are ending quickly as you're either going to make the turn or we're going right past, and that's the that's the instinctive choice you're at. He's going to blow right past. He's going to pull one of those like nice little like arrogant French type ordeals where he looks over at Xavier. Xavier's trying to have a look. He's like... (laughs) (laughs) He's going to leave those cops on a merry chase because he knows he can take care of them. Oh, no, you could have. (laughs) Note what I said. The timing here is important. Before, you had psycho bikers slow down to take a walk on the moon in the side of your car to let you know that you ain't shit. Um, That might have been possible because Xavier was on the hood. Maybe you're drunk. Maybe you're young kids screwing around at dangerous levels. That would have been the cop, cop talk deployed to the side. What are you on? See what it is. Search your car. You're in cuffs. Scare you. Maybe take you downtown. Maybe not. Oh, wait. You're older. You're not kids. You're definitely getting arrested. And we're going to process you because this is felonious behavior. And that's why we called back up because it went from sleepy town to sheriff stuff to highway patrol with just that. Slowing down to walk in your vehicle. Trade, uh, I'll remind you, these three, the Wolfpack, carry themselves in such a way. They also have reputations through here. And to see that uh, if you're this small-town cop and you hear, hey, guys, bikers are a real problem around here, but there's a particular group of bikers. Just don't. They drive at midnight. <laughs> have bloody skulls and fire follows them off their wheels where they go. And somebody to fuck with the patrol guy who might be falling asleep in speed traps at night. Well, lo and behold, here's one of them. Because the simple matter is, if a human being tried to do what he just did at this speed on that bike that close, their feet would not, they wouldn't have the strength. Now, maybe he doesn't realize that maybe he does. A normal person has to have an incredible amount of core and training to be able to keep a bike straight, walk with opposite inertia on something moving incredibly fast, and not get sucked behind, not fall off the bike, not to have that take over. That's, that's raw body potential and timing. It's not normal. Right, So to see it, they know on an instinctive level, this is a problem. And so they're going to do it. They want to get the biker and you. And what sucks is, Ramaj is smiling at you, has yet to look at oncoming traffic. 
doesn't care if it is coming. You can see it's not coming, but it's a whole new game of chicken. Basically saying, without having to say it, how big are your balls, Mark? I'm in oncoming traffic and just walked in your window, loser. And, and you're like, oh, am I going to turn on full of balk? Am I not? Am I going forward? And to him, he can't hear what you're talking about. So what it looks like is you're doing this. Right? Like, he's got you. It's a hell of a lot of fun, clearly, for him. All right. Well, then I guess to Volk Bog we go. All right. Um, so the slowdown. Um, Xavier, fear edification. You're good. You can handle that inertia. Mark has to slow down very quickly to make this turn. Um, to the effect, you got two choices. You're either going to really screw up his car and apply enough strength and pressure to grip the top of it, <laughs> make sure you go nowhere, or you're going to leap off and terrify some cops as you shoot into the woods to roll and tumble and maybe hit a tree. Uh, hell of a good time uh, as he pulls into the bog. I will. I will be taking option B. I just have a, a, a addendum in the form of a question. Do I know which direction the water is in? Because that is the direction I would like to launch myself. So the way Volobog is set up, you have a sign, you got to pull off to the uh, the parking lot. It's all blacktop, and it's woods. That's what it looks like. Yeah. It's a marked hiking trail that you're taking. It's like a nature viewing point that you're going to walk down to get to. Um, Xavier's been out here before. You know for a fact that everything out here is floating on Volog Bog. The trees, the plants, the bushes, the beautiful flowers, they're floating on top of the bog. This whole thing is estimated 50 feet from a, from stepping off the ground. And so you have these cool wood platforms that are linked together, like, like you've seen before, uh, mm-hmm. that make a bridge to a lookout point called the Eye of Volog Bog. And at that lookout point, they have a scenery placard and everything else to describe what's going on with the bog and why that is. Really cool. But you have to walk through woods to get there on a trail. Is it anything for, for a gangrel? Nothing at all. Um, would you shoot into the water? No. <laughs> no. Maybe if you oh. had like a, a flying like Batagia or some bat wings as you did that and they could see it, you could evil can evil your way towards the water. But so no no, my, my intent, I wasn't like trying to aim for water to cushion the blow. That's not that wasn't my, my idea. My idea was that I just wanted them to be able to know from seeing what I did that the water was my destination. Because I figure I can't talk to them. I'm on the top of a speeding vehicle. <laughs> Okay, we'll tell this from the eye of the cop. We're driving along. I get out the horn. Pull over. This is not going well. You're already in a lot of trouble. Don't make it worse for you. And Mark, you're like, you son of a fuck gangrel. And you break to turn, right? You don't instantly do it. Obviously, you're slowing down greatly to make the turn. It's about 50 would be a... You're skidding a couple feet and fishtailing before you can inertia your way through. However... Xavier like a lawn dart, right? You hit that, he's <laughs> now to the cop, you just committed murder. Right? That's what just happened. We went from a felonious chase, disorderly, whatever, whatever you have there, to some hijinks, and that biker's going down too. We're gonna well, we're gonna catch everybody here. And then you make the turn. You deliberately made a turn with somebody on the hood without care, right? So this is a, if you get a lawyer, maybe you can be a real sweet talker and say that was manslaughter, but it certainly looks like the intent was to kill. He shoots off. Oh, God. Um, Xavier, um, I have more to yell about the trees than I do you, right? Um, When you fly off, do you dodge a tree? Maybe the first one, but the second one you don't go through. 
it's it's like you feel your back shatter, your bones snap, and everything else kind of whip around, and you're laughing at it because it's a wake up call. You just fed. It's like boom, <laughs> and you slide down, and you feel your bones healing on its own. Is that good old resilience that Gangrel Clan's known for kicks in near instantly as you're standing up. But why you're laughing is the look in the police. You can tell by how they're following. Three cars stay on the biker. The other six that were there wasn't four because they're all staggered out to catch up. You may not know this. A police tactic is if we're in a high-speed chase and a threat, they're actually trying to stall traffic. In the background, they're trying to make it to any traffic oncoming. They're not. And so they have a couple cars there. But you see, when you shot off, three broke off. They apparently were in communication how this is going to go already because they didn't anticipate it because two other bikers already went ahead. And so they're they're trying to get there. Um, easy to say. Why you're laughing is because you'll see these cars like pull in to get Mark boxed in. That's the goal. They want to make sure he's not driving off anywhere. Now, Mark, for your sake, you're not an idiot. This is a parking lot for a forest preserve. There is no way to off-road and get away. But it's annoying that you park first off, because I already know you're going to say it, in the handicap spot, the one handicap spot. <laughs> you roll in, park in the blue top, and you're there as cop car one goes behind you at an angle so you can't go anywhere. And uh, But they don't hop out immediately as the other two cop cars try to make it to where you also can't roll down the path either. And I uh, kind of box you in proper. It's a hard thing to do, and they're there. And you can tell. You're looking at that's Sheriff that's there. That's the one directly behind you. And the other three vehicles are Highway Patrol. Now, the Highway Patrol guys are in process of getting out the vehicle, but you are kindred, or canine in this case. Uh, we're, we're independents around here, I hear. So with that being said, is your intent to hop out and be like, oh, no, don't shoot me? Or is your what are you doing? I'm, uh, you know, that's something I have to figure out as I form a miss myself out of there. I was like, whoever they come out of the vehicle, maybe they saw something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm going to tell you what's happening. You turn to mist, right? You start rolling through the vents to come out of the vehicle. The guy in the back of the car and the kid who woke up during the chase, they are screaming and banging on the windows. It's on fire. It's on fire. It's on fire. Oh, what's happening? Oh, my God. They're screaming. You see a patrol car. Stay calm. Stay calm. Just Bob, we'll, we'll, we'll work to get you out. And you see them. Try to bash in the window with their elbow. It doesn't break. They mag light hit it. It doesn't even crack. And so the rookie aims and shoots. And when that reflects off, they're like, holy, this car's bulletproof. You'll hear that called in. And they're like, these poor guys. They're not panicked about the people trapped in the cars. You're misting out in this thick cloud uh, through this vehicle. Back at the ranch, Xavier, this is even more comical. Where you're kind of trotting up to just to you know keep eye on the fun. You note the wolf pack as we're going to transition here. Ramrod, you have an audience, right? You walked in the car. These other three cop cars are even more farther behind than what Mark was. They didn't want to take you at that dangerous speed. And now maybe they got a psychologist in the car. And you'll hear, you got the rest of your life to consider, kid. Just pull over right now. It's just reckless and dangerous. We just want to know what's going on. Just pull over. Everything's okay. We you know, we got the guy. Maybe just just listen to reason, right? You can hear them on this this horn. For the fun part, everyone can, as that was quick and gone by. But I didn't address, I got, I got to say this, um, Tyrus, Dredd, um, we're, in a, we're in a situation. Mm -hmm. You're way ahead. They mm -hmm. slowed down for antics. It is nothing for you to off-road, kill your lights, and chill at this point. And you could do that, 
Um, you can also turn around and play chicken with the cops. There's, there's <laughs> options. Um, I'm just I'm just saying this is your road. And uh, you hear how mom and dad want him to come home for dinner. Oh yeah, I heard all that. I was winning that race. That was the only thing I cared about. I uh, I don't care about some cops. Well, I know that. You know that. Does that mean you're going to continue the high-speed getaway? Or are you going to slow down and try to ditch him? Or are you going to go back and, and, and rendezvous with Ramrod in the funnest way possible? Or are you just going to keep pace with Ramrod and make sure no help's needed? Um, then I'll just keep pace with Ramrod and make sure no help's needed. We don't abandon pack after all. So the core that happens here is you do a maneuver. Simple as that. When Tyrus pulls off the road, Dread pulls off the road. And why you do this is because you're idling. You leave the lights on, you're just getting ramrod chance to catch up, and then you're gonna you're gonna go accordingly. And you have to, because for you to keep up, you gotta be behind the cops, right? So that's the that's the effect. Ramrod, you will see that they're pulled to the side of the road as you're speeding through, but it's up to you if you're even gonna get there. You too have the option to slow down, cut through the forest preserves, you know you're going there anywhere, and do that. You just know the cops will see you, but they can't follow you. Um Nah, I want to be with my pack. Okay. Um, so, you know enough about each other that you don't ever slow down to a stop the dragons where you're at. You go past them. You guys flank and come up on the road like literally Hell's Bikers. This now looks like you're trying to rob three cops on the road, is what this is, even though you're just zoning them as, as he's up ahead. And Ramrod, it's up to you what you want to do. You can either direct them. You guys know hand signals and whatnot for each other to the side of the road, or we're we gonna play games with cops. What do we want to do? No, we're going some places and we getting things done. So that's where we're going. Off the road into the forests to our destination. So the inevitable happens. He just cuts off the road. Um, knows enough to take these big bumps and it's jumping around. Um, getting a lot of work ramrod by the way in the suspension and everything else for doing this, uh, but. Um, you have to quickly slam on your brakes at a point where the cops are behind you. You go down in a sharp embankment. You go about maybe another mile in, and you, you can see that, granted, here's where there's water. Uh, you know how deep those waters can get, and you have to you, you break. It's the simplest thing to do. Uh, but when you cut your light out there, you can turn back and see um, those, those cops can. In fact, they're gonna, they have to slow down to back up and come to where you exited the road. They got to go on foot. Um, for the other two, Tyrus and Dredd, I'm assuming you're following. If he made That's it, you make it that mentality. Um, your three bikes will take some doing to get out of here. You're going to have to walk them out. It's that simple. Um, for every reason I just described. The tires have some damage to them. Not extreme. You've had worse. But it is, you ditch the cops for now. And uh, it's up to you. Either we call this Wolfpack Parking, and we're going to walk the rest of the way over to where that is, or we're going to wait to deal with the cops ourselves and walk the bikes out of the woods to get over there. We'll leave the bikes here. Um, we are gangrel, after all. I'll just take the form of like a coyote or a wolf, and we'll head on over to the bog rendezvous. Um, it's not unusual for you guys to know that Tyrus will sometimes, he'll do this. Right, this is not. Uh, you're still gangrel, right? Uh, biker gangrel at that, but it's annoying. Some of you master the trick; others are chilled, and uh, maybe you don't choose to be so flashy. Kind of ruins the <laughs> point of your hijinks and daredeviling. But it's up to you. I mean, you got fans watching. I mean, some call them police. 
Wait, are the police watching him as he does it? What I will tell you is, from that distance, they may see a wolf or, or a dog run into the woods, but they don't mm-hmm. know it was Tyrus. That'd be a little hard to yeah. do in the dark for normal vision. Yeah. I'm going to follow suit. I will also become a wolf. It's it's nothing, Dread, for you to run after him. It's actually kind of comical. Besides, they don't have the thin pencil mustache you do and the goggles, the biker goggles at that and the slick back hair. You don't ruin that style to be a wolf for anybody as you run on through. That said, um, all of you will get in time to see the antics of the, oh, my God, the car is burning. As Mark is a hovering cloud over the front of this car, because we're now tuning back to you. Um, Xavier, you, you're kind of walking through at your pace. By the way, you're assumed dead <laughs> over there, which we'll check out later. No doubt that's what the other siren must be is emergency <laughs> services. <laughs> uh, well, so my intent is to um, turn this into a little bit more of a horror movie for these cops, because as they come into the trees, uh, if they get anywhere near the water, I would like to use ninja tactics, start snatching them one at a time so that they hear each other scream and attempt to follow me or not. So if I understand this correctly, does that mean you're getting in the water and you're going to start snatching them to drag them into the water? Yeah. And to be clear, the long term plan is to bring the screams in the direction of the place that I felt that crippling fear. <laughs> Right, whatever okay. I experienced, I know where that was. What I call this is shark bait. Ooh ha ha. That's, yes. that's basically yes. what we're doing. Yes. Okay, just checking. Um uh, Mark, as as the mist gives you, you can sense what's around you. And uh first there's a splash. And then you'll hear the cops, what the hell was that? He's like, what? It's the woods. Like, it's probably, I don't know, a rock, a, a branch. What is it? Dude, can we get them out? They're, they're stuck in here. And you actually hear one of the guys at the inside of the car go, just calm down. Hit the unlock button. The child safety locks. He's like, what? Climb over and hit unlock. He's like, what? I don't see a fire and it's clearing up. The unlock gets hit. And Mark, you can hear a cop right outside. Go, what? If? Okay. And when the door unlocks and he gets you out, it's like, what? Do you use a smoke bomb? Is this a smoke bomb? And here, one of the cops, this look like a smoke bomb to you? Right? Smoke bomb is an origin. You can see through it. That's thick pea soup fog floating over your car. That is a cloud floating over your car. The state patrolman is sitting there with his smartphone out like he's he's recording for World Star. And he's <laughs> like, that is a fog that erupted at Volag Bog. Maybe it is haunted. Like, it's it, 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 Volag Bog is haunted. We're looking right at it. And you'll hear someone else go, hey, trooper, do you mind? There's a whole bunch of craziness around here. We got to, because what is this? Is they're freaking out. And then the first scream starts as you're floating there. And the cop's like, well, I don't know what hit the water, but, you know, it couldn't be nothing. Um, for those walking up in wolf form, um, you will see a very explosive movement. Something in the water, looking vaguely like Xavier, grabs a cop, hooks under his neck, and there's a shot that goes off as he gets dragged into the water and it's gone. What this does is his partner turns to the water and he doesn't shoot because unlike the movies, I know shooting into the water where my partner got grabbed in is a good way for him to get shot. And I'm like, we need lights over here. And he's taking off his gear because he's diving in after him is what you see. And uh, 
this is not like it's a lake and you're at the lip and this is easy to do either. Remember what I said, it's a floating walkway to get out this far. These cops aren't fresh off the pavement. Um, what it is is that where Xavier's at, they had to walk down an embankment to get to the start of where all this lush green and beautiful plant life is that is actually floating. And they run over to follow suit as one cop who was securing the perimeter got drug in just like Xavier intended. This is pulling attention away from you, Mark. But the guy who wants to be on World Star is still recording your fog like antics. Um, I don't know what you want to do. Uh, the simple fact is that when that other guy gets pulled in, this is a moment. You're pretty certain he's going to put away that phone because things got real and now he has to direct whatever's going on. Um, the only thing he's taking the video as it currently is he'll wait until he is distracted. Um, his intent is going to be to... I'm assuming if he's the last one standing, he's just going to take this guy and put him out. Uh, knock um, him out somewhere, just take his phone. In your form, it's a little hard to tell if he's the last one standing. You can sense there are other cops around for sure. Um, if you forget the number that's pulled in here, there were four that turned off the road to go after you alone to put you in here. That's eight cops. So if you want the number, one went into the water, his partner went after him, the other six mm -hmm. are still out here wondering why there's a fog. Two of them started walking. The two that walked the perimeter of the eight are the ones that Xavier just, well, distracted. The rest are standing around, including, a, you know, the sheriff and the patrolman, because they know they got to direct what's coming. You can hear on the radio, emergency services, we have a fatality, a guy was thrown into the woods, uh, got to search for that body, get to him in time, maybe we could save him. They're, they're civil servants. They're here to save lives, as, as they intend, and they don't understand what went on. There's no crime report. This happened out of nothing. In that case, he's just going to move away. He's going to head towards the bog um, in his misform, uh, and hopefully he'll reshape over there later. Okay, reshape over the water. Are you going to go further down the... He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna reshape over land, um, and he'll take the... He'll just like watch what's currently happening and discern from there what motion is going to take. He's more concerned at this point from his character's perspective. What is going on with Xavier? Right. Uh, that's his biggest concern right now is to find out whether or not he should be worried because now it's it's really getting out of control. And maybe just hey, maybe. Worry about you, Fogman. I'll take care of the narration. Oh, yeah. No, that, I'm, that, with so he's just, I'm with yeah, you. He's out. He, he's out. He's moving to a location where he could reform back into his human form, into his humanoid form and observe the rest. Absolutely. Um, you go further down. Trust me, that doesn't nerve them. Right, a fog that slowly rolls away is one thing. A fog that moves is one. Further down, they don't want to follow you, number one. Right? I know. I've been. I've stared at fog. We've seen it. A very specific amount that rolled out like, like it was maybe a fire, but then held together and didn't disperse. That then suddenly, after a moment or two of recording, decides it's going to move further down the wood walk plank. Don't breathe. It's, it's <laughs> reflexive that a couple of them hold their breath, a couple step back. And that the trooper doesn't pull out his phone again, you do see they pull out their guns. They are they are alarmed, they're unnerved um at what's going on. However, Wolfpack, Wolf one and two is what we'll say. As you're trotting up, you're not the oddest thing out here by nope. description you've heard. So they're not mm -hmm. noticing you. Even for you, Dread, and you're like ch 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 the fuck? Right? It's just trying over this place. And the number one thing you can see. There's a cop that's whose head breaks the surface in the water, and he's looking around, but he has all these, like, branches and, and bushes and whatnot that were floating on top. You, nobody swims here. This isn't supposed to be swimmable. You're not wanting to come here to do that. If there's foliage in the way, he has to go back down because he's trying to find his partner that clearly went in. 
and he dives back in and he's panicked. He can hear his heartbeats really high. And for Xavier, um, you can't hear how high the heartbeat is for that guy because the guy in front of you is thrashing. He's panicked thrashing. He's been under too long. The stress, the sudden, he didn't have a big intake of air and you have your hand around him. He doesn't know who you are or what you are. Freaking out. He's squeezed off rounds till the gun doesn't work. It's misfired uh, where it is at this point. And uh, it's it's fear. It's the primal fear of an animal that knows it's going to die. And it's doing everything it can to survive. It can't do a thing against you. However, what are you doing? And by the way, I already know underwater you're going to see using your namesake. And uh, as a gang roll, the ability to see in the dark does help you. X-ray vision through foliage does not. Mm-hmm. It is a beautiful sight to see plants grow their roots far enough down in this fresh water that they're perfectly fine being supported where they're at. Beautiful, like, little lilies and whatnot that are here, too, lily pads, big ones, and they're all up and around here. And underwater, what you can see is that there are, there are fish who you're the newcomer in their ecosystem. Nobody is under here. The fish don't know enough to be afraid of you. Nobody fishes here. There are fish, though. And as for the most part, they keep away from you from the movement. You note that. But then there's tiny, like, little frogs and whatnot you can see. Rather quite beautiful. Problem is, um, Dredd wasn't kidding about something. When he said this place was used as a special ground, when you look down, you cannot see to the bottom. Even seeing at night, it's too great of a distance. So that's telling already. You're, you're but a few feet out. And this is going to be a watery grave for the guy you have, no doubt. And they're going to have to come down here and drain it and get to the bottom of it to do it. And then you begin to have another thought. Shit. You just made a reason for them to try to drag something out at the bottom. And another sinking thing hits you. If this thing wakes up now, and it is a thing that will wake up, what's worse? That it didn't have any food and there was a bunch of hungry gangrel that woke them up, and I mean hungry for fighting, and we're just going to put it away when it was weak. Now you're going to have concerned cops coming in to drain this place to get a fellow cop and whatever else is down here because they're going to look for you. This in tandem in your mind, Xavier would know well enough to know the procedure that's going to follow. Emergency services are going to come out. They're not going to find you in the side of the road. These cops are going to make snap judgments as to where this body can win so quickly. And they're going to come here. They will dredge the bottom of this. And if you're correct about your theory, you just fed the thing you were afraid is here. Um, yeah. Yeah, that kind of occurred to me. And uh, well, to be frank, those uh, Camarilla bastards who called me a liar are now going to have to spend their resources to come and figure this shit out. Right? They sent me the Wolfpack. I appreciate the Wolfpack standing by me. But we can do this the easy way. We can do it the Camarilla way, or we can do it the Sabat way. And it looks like what they've left me with is the Sabat way. Um, <laughs> and so... <laughs> Um, I need this man to bleed, but not die so that his companions continue to follow me. Okay. Um, so by that, what are we doing? We're going to cut him a bit in the neck, let him break the surface and scream. Um, are we going to keep him underneath? I mean, if he breaks the surface and scream, yeah, I need, I, I need him to be able to scream because my assumption is that it's the sound of his travail is all his buddies have to go on. Okay. So, to your surprise, and uh, I'm going to make an assumption here, when you go to the surface and see his partner diving down, two is better than one. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Um, for those at top, Mark, when you reform and you're now really at the eye, the eye is like a teardrop shape. If you can imagine, almost like a thermometer is probably a better thing. It's a long mm-hmm. floating road rail, and then it fans out to the teardrop, and that's where the viewing area is. Xavier breaks the surface not quite far out there to the side of it. And when he does that, there's the partner that comes up, and he sees his buddy, and the partner is is freaking out because when they see Xavier, he has that bat nose, and he's right there in the water now and has those red eyes. And he's like, holy shit. And what you'll hear is his buddy go, Greg, run. Just just get away. No, no, it's okay. Just, I don't have kids. Greg, get the fuck away. And this is the first one he had as he's telling his buddy to get the hell out of here. And his buddy, um, you'll watch a very odd thing. Even as Xavier lurches forward to grab him, he kisses his cross and blasts Xavier in the face. He's just, just slamming him with the mag light he has in his hand. And it's just swinging away rapidly as Xavier pulls them both down. You can see the first cop is bleeding. There's blood excessively coming up to the top as uh, these best friends are fighting for their life. Um, I don't have to tell you, Mark, that's the humanity you live for. What you just witnessed, that that is the whole reason um, you exist, is to determine the morality of situations. And if anything, if you had a choice, there's a different time you saw that, you might have embraced both of them for that very act. It's I'm not leaving my friend. Yes, I have a family. We took an oath. This is what we do. They're facing supernal elements. They're facing things that shouldn't exist. Even in the face of that terror, their lives don't matter as they're trying to save one another. And it's rather touching. Reminds you of when you were in a war and you watched a Saracen defend a fallen crusader because he didn't feel it was right to simply kill him when he didn't even know the war he was fighting for. Your disillusionment reminds you, and coldly at this point, Xavier serves the reality you live in, that there are entities who reserve their power to strip people bare, and they don't give a shit what you think or what that might mean. Um, Conversely, as you're digesting that, Wolfpack, you see this happen. How do you feel about it, and what are you going to do? Considering, note one thing, if there's anything you know, Dredd, you hear you hear the sounds of the code that goes out. That we have a one eight seven is one of the codes that go they, that won't go out there over the radio. And then you'll hear authorizations get kicked through. Uh, that we need more police. Chicago PD's been notified. We're en route, and uh, there's something in the water. Two cops are down, and that this is this is escalated far far above what you came out here to do. Hey hey, pirate! Uh, shit's gonna go down. What the fuck are we gonna do? Uh, well, first off, I suppose Tyrus will move back to being a human, you know, somewhere. Oh, the, the cops aren't paying attention to us over no, here. I don't they even know. Yeah. That one wolf turned to another. Hey, what are we going to do? <laughs> and, and then you get a look of like, really? It's kind of funny, Dredd. Yeah, you did. It's what happened. So what do you want me to do? Can't take it back. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, but um, so partial transformation in this game. Uh, I'll move oh, I back apologize. To Dredd wasn't a wolf. I apologize. He, <laughs> right, he was not. He turned you inside. He was I gotta, not. <laughs> gotta <correct that>. yes. <laughs> Believe me, if I could, if I could talk normally as a wolf and do it all the time, it's hilarious. But anyway, not Tyrus. Tyrus will move back to being a human, and he will walk over and he will sit down. And he's like, "Well, we're gonna wait. Either this thing will what? come for Xavier, or this thing will come for the cops." If we have to bed down here during the day, there's enough soil here for that. What we came here to get, 
It'll show up eventually. But boss, things are escalating bad. There's going to be a lot of cops. They're not looking for us. Well, partly they are. Oh, yeah, Ramron. <laughs> the wolf will snicker. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot we were so far ahead of them the whole time. Circle around. We don't leave them here, but there's nothing we can do here. There's no fight here yet. There's just... There's no fight here? What the fuck? The the man bat is eating cops in the lake. Are you going to take Xavier down right now? Maybe, but uh, I think we should help him. So the key point we're going to do for lack of experience, when I said you don't really care what the title means as being an Archon, what did the Wolfpack get the title for? You were handling things just like this. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Xavier's now become a problem. There we go. We've uh, we've and- killed whole Anarch gangs for less. <laughs> Fair point. Um, All right. What are you saying? Oh, my apologies. I would like to at least note, um, having taken that point into consideration, and it is true that he's seen those atrocities happen there, and knowing the specific reason why he came with Xavier... He'll, uh, he doesn't hesitate. Um, he'll jump, he'll send, he'll just literally just jump into the water. Uh, he's gonna, his intent is to drag Xavier down with him. Mm-hmm. He's gotta, he's gotta either be put down or at least put down. Um, because this is not what he signed up for. And this gives him an idea of what he was supposed to do. <laughs> You're saying, um, yeah, I'm sorry, let me cut you off again. Uh, Ty- Tyrus is just gonna stand up. <laughs> Yaga asked us to either kill what was down there or stop him from being controlled. This is no Justicar would do this. Uh, And he'll grow claws. Don't kill him if you don't have to. But he is a Justicar. You'll probably have to. And he'll dive into the bog. Uh, And we're going to also put down Xavier. So, and why you have to dive into the bog is because I didn't put Mike in slow motion, but when he dragged down two others, Xavier's intent was to grab multiple cops. Mm-hmm. So they're playing bobbing for apples. That if they were on the sidelines, he was surprised, pull them up, drag them in, swim out. Definitely has the athleticism to do so. So catching him isn't so easy, right? He's not struggling to pull two cops down, but he's definitely bleeding them enough to where they're going to be left to their own devices as he grabs others. So he'll grab a total of four, but then Mark will catch up. Right, as there's a wolf pack enters the water. The cops watch the wolf pack, and this is important. When you guys have clawed hands and you're walking towards the water, there's some bot packs that aren't, they're not amped up to charge you head on. What police do is they point guns, their shots of freeze, don't move any further, and, and things of that nature, but they're all defensive noises. You can tell by the tone. If you move toward them, they're just going to shoot out of fear. But when you go to the water and jump in, what are they going to do? And they note that. And part of them is like, well, we don't know what's going on. And all we can do is report what we're seeing. Um, for you fans watching at home, this is the importance of the second inquisition. So anyway, mm-hmm. um, we'll just keep that going. Um, but the, the time being, we're now underwater. We all can see. We all can fight. And underwater is a different thing. Um, and we know intentions. This is probably very good to note this. Um, when Mark grabs you, Xavier, um, it is not with an intent to have fun. The grip is he gets a hold of an ankle, and when he grabs that firm, it's up to you if you're going to disengage with the cops to deal with him or not. 
uh, to know that he could see you. And he most definitely is trying to grab you to, and if, if I'm right on that, Mark, to pull him away from the police mm-hmm. that, he's, that he's maiming and fucking with. Um, and your intent, you said, go down or go down. I heard the terms. But at this mm-hmm. point, it's one thing to grab the tiger by the tail. It's the other thing to wonder if it's going to turn to bite you. Um, no, he's just going to drag him down. Oh, that, that question was to me. Oh, okay. Yes. It's to Mark, because if all you do is grab his ankle, you have a hold of the Jessica, or former Xavier's ankle you have a hold of. Um, and, and he's we'll pulling him away. Right. Okay. His intent is to fully pull him away or pull him further down deeper, uh, where he can't do any harm and will be seen. Your action or intent, Xavier? Um, I don't. I don't have any no uh, no way of knowing what's pulling on me. Do I? Like what? Yeah, because you look at him. Oh, right. When he reaches forward and grabs your ankle, and you turn and you see Mark. You can see in the dark. Right. He's close yeah, enough okay. to grab your leg. You could look at him. <laughs> sure, I I will go down into the water. <laughs> like I'm not. Okay. Not I, fighting him. You're just like, he's pulling and you're doing this. Yay! And he's yeah. taking you to the bottom with him. Because okay. as, as far as I'm concerned, we're on the same team. We're dragging police into the dark to, well, I have a plan, but they don't know what my plan was. But, you know, we don't see. <laughs> okay. Um, for the for the other three, Mark, you're dragging him down. And he's literally like, all right. We got some feet to go. I can't see it. Can you? And you can tell that he's doing that, right? Because you're going down past the plants and the foliage that's in the way, trying to see as you're sinking further down. Um, but we'll let you know, Mark, you are rather alarmed. This place maybe was tops 20 feet. You're well beyond that. Like, you can't keep an accurate count, but, man, there should be a bottom you could at least see as this incredible cold is creeping into the water to let you know just how far down you are at this point. Um. He'll look uh, out of curiosity, and now knowing that this is uh, a lot deeper than it really should be, um, he'll activate Eyes of the Beast and just look down to see if there's any end. I already assumed you did. That's why I said, yeah. even you looking yeah. down. Eyes of the Beast doesn't afford you these amazing mileage sight that typical oh, yeah, no, definitely would yeah. give. And even if it did, there's a lot of sediment and whatnot that's disturbed as you're getting down here and picked right. up. This doesn't mask what's down there. It's just to let you know the immensity of what it is doesn't reveal whatever detail that, that you were looking for. Copy. And you're pretty certain scientists would have came in here as Mark's now. Things play with your mind when you're in this mode. Something this big, you're down this deep. If there was anything down here, a scientist would have came and discovered it. They made it a park. Someone has been in here, a botanist or some sort of zookeeper. Somebody came in here that cares about the soil to discover the death glacier or whatever the hell it is that Tyrus was talking about or that you have heard might be down here. But the one thing's for certain, that evil presence, you do feel something. Problem is, you're holding on to its ankle. <laughs> right? It's hard to override it based on what you saw, right? That's your focus. But even looking down in your sense of danger, it's almost as if you could care less what happened to you. You pulled him away from the cops, and that's a win. Right. As far as you there. However, I got to talk to a Cobra Law, or the Wolf Pack, depending on how you see them at this moment. Uh, this titanid unit deploys into the water. And uh, I was thinking of Zartan, actually. But the point is, they hit the water. You guys kick past the foliage rather easily to see where the commotion mm-hmm. ends following the soot. And you can see the top of Xavier. Xavier's just looking down at Mark as his hair is kind of, you know, like it does in the water, long and up in the way. It's up to you what you want to do from here. It seems he's not fighting Mark, and Mark's just allowing himself to sink hanging on to Xavier. Put him down, Mark's. 
now in human form with claws. As in swimming, actively trying to get down faster. What are you doing, Tyrus? Yeah, I know. That's what everyone... I was jumping in here to stop someone from actively making things worse. It seems he's just given up. I'm convinced he is just a puppet of whatever thing is down here. So I don't care that he's not fighting back right now. I'm going to try to beat Xavier into torpor. There's just too much going weird here for us to just let him be here. So the uh, the intent is, sorry, Dredd, don't let me make assumptions. I'm assuming you're following suit. Now, underwater is a little complicated. You guys are swimming down to grab him to hit and whatnot and do what you got to do. Um, it is not unusual to see that Ramrod is ahead of you uh, for everything. Ramrod is more humane, is younger. Uh, than the two of you, and younger heirs know better roots of swimming. And Ramrod has had a nice day in the sun or two, I'm certain. And, uh, I mean, look at him. He's a pretty boy. And so when he he gets past you just enough, it's not a race, but to get that grip on you, Xavier, you feel the claws bite into your flesh uh, right at the right at the shoulder as the first chunk, first mark goes to Ramrod. Uh, to your horror, Ramrod, when that claw mark happens on Xavier, you weren't expecting it to heal. That's telling. Uh, it's not that it's you're dissuaded, just this is one of them bumpy rides. It's like playing lupine tag. This would be the part where with your bike you sped up and maybe you shot the normal-looking human who was a weird park ranger, but when all that fur bristled and it burst in the muscle form to come after you, you were already a good five miles down the road at top speed and they had to give chase because it's a hit and run, and uh, you were whistling the whole time. Um, the goal is to come back with a tuft of fur or something to prove that you played lupine tag. Um, you can't lupine tag underwater. And so when Xavier's cut and that blood is there, Xavier, you feel that control trying to leave you. It's a dangerous element. Mark grabbed you, but why did he grab you? And now that you let yourself sink with him, now you were clawed and you see the other two coming behind about to attack you as well. What are you going to do? Well, now it's dawning on me that this was all a trap, right? Um, I thought I could trust Inyanga. I was wrong. I thought I could trust Mark. We've worked together for so long. Clearly I was wrong. Um, and they, they didn't want me to come find out what was at the bottom of this bog. They wanted to kill me and leave me at the bottom of this bog. Right. Um, so I'm going to use my uh, capacity for celerity and take mist form um, so that they can no longer claw me. And then dip out. We're going to have a merry, watery chase. Okay. When you see him take misform, it is well at the advance of a, of a second swipe from the Wolfpack. All of you give a hit in. And what I could tell you is, Ramrod, your second effort does leave a mark. Right? You get a second swipe as he's shifting, and the other two do get a mark in on him, but the, he's healing some of it, some is staying. What does this tell you? Um, all of you have heard rumors of serious elders that you... They gain the ability to survival adaptation. It's possible Xavier's one such. And your claws aren't a threat. They're definitely a weapon to use, but they're by no means going to be what it does to other kindred. This is a worthy fight. And uh, Tyrus, you couldn't be happier until he bitches out and takes misforming, you feel. Uh Now, Mark, you know it's not a bitch tactic. He's surrounded. He's in the water, turning to mist. Mm -hmm. That's just smarts. That's survival. And when he does so, though, um, the problem none of you are expecting is this great inky 
thing come out of his mist form. And uh, it's it's wild. It's like the mist itself underwater serves to actually disrupt the uh, sediment that's here and serves as like a muddy cloud or maybe a spore effect. It's hard to see through it. Is that almost like, okay, maybe when you figure out what's going on, as you see him kind of swimming, the cloud was heading away towards shore on the opposite side. Um, for you, Xavier, there's an impressive rage that is on the inside of you right now. You can't believe it. Um, the, the solitude you've had to do, the people you've had to deal with, uh, the things that you've had to hunt and them not preparing you for to now be betrayed in this capacity. Um, I'm going to ask you honestly, would you even fight the beast at this point? They came to kill you and are hunting you like a common dog at this oh, point. Oh, no, not at all. I, I, I know that I've been betrayed. I just don't need know whether I'm going to kill them one at a time or everybody here, depending on how this night plays out. But they all, they're all going to die, or I am. Okay. Given the time constraint, that will conclude our scenario. Mm. And I will tell you exactly why, right? We'll break this down. The aftermath. I won't cheat you of an epilogue. Um, Xavier submits to what's actually at the bottom. He wasn't possessed before, but the events opened him up. His betrayals, the suspicion, he had to prove himself, he had to do everything. What's down there feeds on things like this. The bog being used for illicit means like dropping bodies in might have fed it. Maybe Xavier would have fed it, but this wouldn't be enough to wake it up. That's old hat. It's experienced things like these, whatever this is. And uh, the simple fact is, though, the emotion would wake it up. Deep betrayal, the threat of what's going on. You're down deep enough and are still active would have been a curiosity. And, and whatnot. You're not a boring scientist with devices to see what ice looks like underwater and to take some sediment samples. Oh, it's clear water. None of that. Um, for Xavier, the moment you didn't take your... Let's talk about misform real quick. Protein is the capacity to really defy the odds. It's a vampiric staple. But to go from a solid to a mist form by blood alone and it takes everything it has, um, it can be argued if you're ever even part of this plane. You move different. You act different. You just don't obey the laws of science in that form. This, there's no way of putting this. The entity that's there, that's the window. Where you couldn't hear it before, and it couldn't directly influence you, that shifting here so close opens you up to that questioning I did. Mm -hmm. I called it a storytelling technique. Instead of it saying, knock, 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 hey, buddy, how about you let me take over, which a player will naturally resist. Instead, you do what its intent is and what it feeds off of. Yeah. What? That rage, that loneliness, all the things that Xavier has, this thing can corroborate for a very long time. And it will wake up. That's what will happen. But what it is, is it is not a vampire. And whatever it is, it operates to a very different tune. It's existed over 6,000 years in an ice cap, slowly melting, waiting for its air and its time. It's had the influence to corrupt the town. That's why there's bikers and violence are a normal thing in this area that seems sleepy and quiet. Uh, that's why when you come out here, your stomach churns and it feels off because you're connected to it somehow. And what's that connecting emotion? The beast. Werewolves would feel a rage or maybe a worm taint if they were out here, but they wouldn't even know what it is. It's far too old for anybody to make a label to it. And the entity that wakes up would have done so explosively. Our poor wolf pack would have been having a different chase in mind. An entity of this caliber, the moment they got out of the water, would have watched Xavier explode out of it as a pawn of it with abilities not seen before. However, Xavier had Mark do the worst betrayal. Mark was supposed to be the one that was his buddy. Mark was supposed to be the one to take care of him. And uh, Mark would have been single-mindedly targeted, wouldn't know any better, to get a hold of him. And there's also another reason. Mark is a source to help him figure out the, it or whatever 
group you want to call it, to figure out its world in an easier way. method. Why? The wolf pack is all slash burn and destroy. It knows that very well. Um, in fact, this entity would call them its children. Hardly a threat. Uh, to prove it, it would have turned the cops against the wolf pack to not only shoot, to pick up whatever items nearby and throw themselves at the wolf pack. And this would be how the wolf pack will escape. Because while Mark's being hunted down and is distracted, no doubt Tyrus would see the wisdom in pulling away. And you have to pull away to your bikes, and absolutely you're going to make, make way to get out here to say anything. Um, who knows how many of you would have actually survived, but that scene right there, um, Chicago now has a real problem. If we were to continue with that scenario, and trust me, werewolves would be interested. It's one of the alliance things. Now we got to talk. Poor Mark. <laughs> Whether he lived or not, we'd have to roll dice to figure that out. But I'll tell you this much, it is stacked against him and Xavier is, yes, done, as that goes. But that would be the epilogue. But what do you think, those of you playing it? Um, I think that until that last uh, frame, we'll call it, even though this isn't a movie, I personally had not noticed that Xavier's no longer Camarilla even though it's said multiple times in Becca's Jihad diary, he left the Camarilla. Um, but everybody who's surrounding him in this scenario is right. Um, and so it's real interesting to me to approach this that way, even though I didn't anticipate it. And I also like the idea of fuck whatever's at the bottom of that bog. It doesn't particularly matter what it is so much as the effect it has. That's fair. Anybody else? I um, playing Mark in this particular situation uh, presented two very unique positions. One being Gangrel, and at least meeting up with the others. They could have also been SWAT members at one point or another. It's just the culture of what they hold uh, to be true. If we're going to face it, we face it. It's an hour issue, and we'll figure it out ourselves. The other half of it is uh, Mark's particular history with what he keeps as his humanity. And if Xavier had walked away from it or something, Mark would have helped from his perspective, but Xavier had to prove that it does exist. However, Xavier did prove it does exist in the form of Xavier being broken. So from the position of how Xavier was during that meeting with the Wolfpack, uh, Mark knew something was off at that point. And then only seeing it and him becoming the monster, it's kind of like, oh, walk into the house. It'll be all right. And it's kind of like a cycle thing where she was wearing, you know, Xavier was wearing the, the mom's wig the whole time. And then he's like, no, this is this is the monster. This is truly the monster. How, how could you walk away from the camera as flawed as it may be? They adapted to humanity, and that's how we keep our – you can't do stuff like this. What were you thinking? And so it's like, well, I, I take a stance now where I just live up to the hypocrisy of the stuff, and he took a stance. And he's like, well, I'm bringing down Xavier with me because we can't have him – we can't have people know the boogeyman exists. I don't think Dude. I have a deep uh, reflection. This is the start of the most epic fight in Ramrod's short life. <laughs> this is this is Enough. the boss that just happened. <laughs> and I, he's I stupid think... enough to look forward to it. <laughs> I think the wolf pack dies happy. Yep. Or maybe not dies, we'll see. Maybe it's like, hey, I like you guys. You guys can stay. <laughs> Alright, Glenn, you're the last one, and you do have permission to talk, even though you're playing dread. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, oh my Did we lose Glenn again? My troubles came back. Damn it. His <laughs> oh. <laughs> mic died. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Um, what I can say is that all of you did a good job playing the roles. I particularly am impressed with the Wolfpack and Mark at a point because when Xavier made choices, I knew Mike having Xavier was going to put a smile on my face mm-hmm. <laughs> for one reason. He did what predictably I understand. It, I already said, and you'll say, you saw this at the beginning of it, uh, the way Brent Trent set up. We talked about it. I, I felt Xavier's a joke character. I've always felt that. He was literally the boy who cried wolf and then found out it was real, and he was shocked that there were elders. That's why I feel like the plot was Xavier was like, there are elders better than me? And the, and the inner council was like, yeah. Well, I'm taking my gang girl and leaving. And then the gang girl, like the wolfback, were like, well, bye. <laughs> Have fun. We'll see you later. Like, we're, we're okay. <laughs> Or those independents like Mark, who may call himself Camarilla or Sabat, depending on the city, he deals with both. And I like that in the Children Revolution book that Mark's from. It's understanding there's a new wave in the world, and it's not about sect to sect. It's about humanity for him. And he detests evil. He literally has evil, and he has a problem with it existing. And uh, chose transportation to kind of keep a way out of it. But what I liked about it is that Xavier's whole stick, uh, to point it out, Mike, is that not only did he realize he was former Justicar, and that's why he left, it was the fact that he goes around and he's trying to convert all the gang girl under his banner by explaining that we stay independent and we do what we know needs to be done, which ironically is kill the ancients. Now, I deserve to tell everybody what I had planned. There is a Sabat pack. Absolutely, that was out here. I fully intended the Sabat Pack to reveal itself to jump you, right? The goal was, of course, to get the lofted Xavier. Mm -hmm. The idea is the grand prize, not to kill him. He has secrets. And so it was targeted for that to happen. Problem is, they didn't know how to get to him. But who they were telling is Mark. (laughs) Mark's a known traitor, right? He plays both sides, and the Black Hand has waived Mark's destruction because it helps him do this. He's going to be around important people. We'll spot him. We'll isolate him. We'll get him. What they didn't anticipate was the Wolfpack. And they're trying to determine the whole time if the Wolfpack was Sabat or not. Ironically, Ramrod stalled the jump point. Slowing mm-hmm. down the fuck with Mark, that's Sabat shit. <laughs> they're playing tag with cops, they're fucking with the police. So I had to do what anyone in scenario would do that's Sabat, and that's going, God damn, who is that? <laughs> right? Like, who the fuck rolled in? I thought we were here in secret. Right? Trying to figure this out, minor P's and Q's of stupid dogs and suds plays. Been out here, hold up, nowhere. And whatever, what'd they do? Show up to the biker bar that we had rolled through? What'd they do? Trash three guys and drag two. That's totally a Sabat pack, bro. Figure it out. Who the fuck is that, right? <laughs> so the whole time, these guys are like, oh, you know, whatever. I had fun making the pack. I'm, I'm a little sad to get to play them. But the funnest part for me is when Xavier was like, now we're going to like dive in and out of the water with the cops. And how every one of you were like, shit. <laughs> All right, because the Sabat pack was in the back going, are we sure that Xavier, right? Like trying to figure this out, is like it is. What the fuck is he doing in the water? Because they have no idea why you're in the water diving around. They too are going to get smoked by the thing in the woods. Because what are they going to do? It's an ancient kill it. Uh, it was a it was a fun idea because it was the whole goal was to get Xavier and Intel uh, for their war and a chance to roll Chicago. But this is a clear cut example of how the writers designed Chicago to be. There's a reason they're contentious and they don't have a prince. Right. Not only by design of the primogen, but there's always these curveballs and political pit traps that seem to exist with Chicago by night that always get in the way as factions. No one can take the city because there's weird shit always in the way, including the Goblin Road. So I had a lot of fun with this mm-hmm. scenario for watching. We hope you did, too. I want to thank Muckus and Glenn, of course, for having the courage to step up here for the first time, hopefully not the last, uh, to, to do stuff with us like this. 
Uh, it was a lot of fun. You two did great. Um, my hope is you had fun. Don't lie. You're Swedish. Don't lie. <laughs> I have so much fun. Okay, good. How about you, Glenn? A thumbs up works if it yes. And uh, you can moon the camera if I know just for flavor. All right. <laughs> yes, All right. Uh, thanks as always, guys. Team, it's a blast. And we'll, we'll catch you next time as we go to Chapter 3. Take it easy, folks. See ya. Thank you for listening to our 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you like what you heard and want to support us, please share it with others or leave a review. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.